Welcome to the Best Picture Cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I recently completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one. Each episode, myself and revolving co-hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not a who should have won podcast. We are here to discuss the inner circle of movies who took home the crown in their respective years. As a disclaimer, this is an opinion-based podcast and a subjective discussion by movie enthusiasts who don't claim to be trained experts. If we destroy your favorite movie or praise a movie that you think is trash, we encourage you to write us in at our email, which is bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. Again, that's bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. Send us an email. Give us your thoughts. We're always open for the discussion. And you can also get us on our socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. That's at Best Picture Cast. So at Best Picture Cast, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And we are back yet again. I'm joined by a few people here who have been here before. And I have uh, someone making the debut as well. So excited to talk about Birdman. We're going to not only be talking Birdman, we're going to give our definitive Batman rankings as well. We'll be ranking the actors who have portrayed Batman. That's going to be a lot of fun. And before I have everyone introduce themselves here today, I just want to remind you, if you have listened to this podcast before and you like what you hear or you listen to this one and you like it, it helps us out a lot. If you can rate or review on iTunes, uh, subscribe to us on Spotify, that helps as well. But just leave a little rating, leave a review. It helps our visibility, helps us get out there. We'd appreciate that a lot. But I have my uh, Birdman crew here joining me today. Let them know who we got with us today. Hello all, it's Joey R. Um, excited to talk about Birdman and just a title movie I love, The Unexpected Virtue of Innocence. Yes. I think it's a really cool name and I'm excited to talk about the movie. You finally get to talk about the movie that came out in the last 40 years. I know, it feels <laughs> weird. It felt weird watching a movie with people I could follow on Twitter. <laughs> Very nice. Hey everybody, Grant Z here, back again. I'm really excited to talk about this um, this movie starring one of the Batmans. Ooh, starting already. <laughs> Shots fired a minute in. The Batman versus Batman's debate. Endless. And we have uh, also joining us today, this is his BPC debut, but uh, he has listened to several episodes leading up into this. Is what, that right? That's right. What's up, everyone? This is Oz, as uh, Kieran said, first timer. I've been uh, lingering and lurking around, <laughs> talking about people's performances behind their back. So it's time to uh, throw my hat in the ring and let's give uh, some Michael Keaton appreciation tonight, huh? Yes, yes. Thrown into the mix here. Uh, and I would say you probably listen to more episodes than a lot of our co-hosts have, too, yes. which is, which that's is scary. good to that's see. Very that is true. a fact. Yeah. So no, we have, um, I, some feel, of them. I feel like everyone at this table are the ones that listen to every episode. That's right. The others got to get And they're the ones who so. uh, pick it up a little bit. They might collaborate and listen to like eight. <laughs> <laughs> if you've been on an episode, I've, I've said negative things about you at some point. Probably... <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I, can I love just, it. I have receipts. I love it. No, and, and Oz, you just... Um, you just got finished watching the Tarantino movies yes. in sequence. Yep. That's awesome. And now you're on the Christopher Nolan ones? No, the Fincher. Oh, the Fincher ones. Yeah. Okay, the yeah. Fincher ones. And what, and what have you done with the Fincher so far? Uh, up until Fight Club, so just the first three. Alien 3, 
seven, the game, seven, and the game. Seven and the game. Oh, oh, the seven in the yeah. game. Okay, right. And then, and you're you watched rewatch Fight Club or not yet? Not but yet. I've seen, okay. I've, yeah. seen that movie enough. Yeah, and you and you just I, I was talking about doing the Tarantino's, and uh, I mentioned in our last episode. This is upon us recording this. This has been basically a year since we recorded our first episode. We released our first episode in in February of last year, but we recorded last October. And so I was re-listening to the pilot because it had been a little while since I went through it. And on it, I, I proclaim Reservoir Dogs as my favorite Tarantino. I mean, and I, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a bad. I feel like a lot of people have that as as their favorite. Yeah, I I I feel like in a year my opinions changed a little bit after watching some of them again over the last yeah. year. And it, favorite wise, it definitely is still in the mix there. It's hard to call his best though because. Just because it's kind of it really plays yeah, like a first film. It's it's one of those things where like when you factor in it's like the truest sense of a indie movie. Right. And it's so small scale and the fact that he's able to do all of this with so little is absolutely I mean, tremendous. Right. And it it's really his rawness of it that so really yeah. makes it work. There's just something always about being first and uh that cast is Excellent. Unbelievable. Yeah, Excellent. Unreal. Unbelievable. Huge. I just said his later once he was just able to explore himself so much. But I don't more think that's sure. a bad take though. Yeah, it I it was just kind of like listening <laughs> to it, I'm like, God, I don't know if I necessarily feel that way a year later, but that was how I felt then and you know, I think I think I, I think like... Pulp Fiction is probably my favorite at this okay. point. But okay. we might we again, might feel a lot as we re listen to these a year yeah, out. Yeah, and, and two or three years after maybe I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a few times and put it in perspective, maybe I like that one more, maybe I like it less. Yes. Yeah. Right. Anyway, we're not here to talk this about Tarantino, Tarantino today. Because no. <laughs> we could a... get on that train for a long time. Yeah, yeah so, when, and... when, he, when he wins one, we're going to do one like the following day. It's just going to be all right. Tarantino. We're going to be doing it that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And until he wins one, we'll continue to just randomly bring him up whenever we want to. I mean, why not? Right. But we are here today to talk about Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. It's the full title. It's the second longest title at a Best Picture winners. And the only one with parentheses. And the only one with parentheses, yes. The Lord of the Rings Return of the King would be the... Uh, so as we mentioned in the, uh, in the beginning there, we're going to be ranking our Batman. So the, the idea of this is that we are going to pick the different live-action portrayals of Batman uh, and putting them in order... Uh, as we go. So we're going to do that about the halfway point. Looking forward to that. I uh, watched a few Batman movies this week in preparation. Did everybody else? Uh... I, w- I watched the 89, Batman 89. Mm-hmm. watched Batman Begins. And I watched Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Okay. So I'm yeah. in the same boat. Yeah. 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 I was talking to Grant the other day and I realized in the past like three to four months I've watched all the Bale, all the Keaton, all the Affleck ones. So I rewatched the... Lego one that's not getting any love today. <laughs> yeah. because and, 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 and Adam West is firmly yeah, pan- planted in my brain. Excited to talk about the Batman anytime you could, uh, Batman's Batman. Well, we, I mean, that used to be a running, when the f- it was show first started. Yeah, it started with Cuckoo's a, Nest. It used to be a running thing where you, you would tie him in where Batman, we could. Yeah. And then it got a little bit harder and we just gave up well, on yeah. it. <laughs> well, well, I don't know you know, how we'll, you do it on We revisit we come and go as we... Well, yeah, we can't really do it on Broadway well, Melody. Some of the early ones were yeah. super easy because everyone in it was villains on the Adam West Batman. That's where well, it that's started. Where that guy had a couple. Right. And yeah. the time we got to go in my way, we were we made our way into Shazam. Birdman's got to be the closest you'll get to talking about superhero movies on this, I would imagine. Ah, uh, 
I yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean because yeah, I mean because the the association with superhero movies and they talk about them and, and the commercialization and they talked right. about literally Tony Stark's on the screen. But remember, we tied MacGruber and MacGyver into Rocky, so <laughs> right. we can really mix anything into anything. I wouldn't say we necessarily tied it. In. I think <laughs> we just, we just shoved, shoved it in. There. Shoved yeah, it in. yeah, yeah, yeah. right. But this 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 one is a clean entrance into the superhero this world. Is, yeah, this is probably as clean as we're gonna get. Right. We have Birdman, and this movie is a movie that came out six years ago. So it's a it's in the recent lexicon of movies. Mm-hmm. Joey, what was your first experience? I saw it around Oscar time that year. I think I saw it right after it won. I want to say like that week. Not getting ahead. I I, I thought Whiplash was gonna win. Mm-hmm. Um. So I was a little. So I saw it. I liked it. Um. And then I had not rewatched it until this week for this. Well, okay. So, yeah, so it's been since... Yeah, it's been six years. I had seen it the one time, liked it, and came in. And, Oz, this is a lineup that you've seen most of these movies here. Yes, yes. That that year, um, really coincidentally, because I can't call myself someone who watches every uh, nominee or every Best Picture winner, but I was looking at the list, and I was like, wow, I've seen, I think, seven out of the ten of those movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's, it's a great year. Uh, and Graham, was your first experience with it? Uh, similar, similar to Joey's. I don't think I saw it right around Oscar time. It might have been some time when it went on to like HBO or whatever, mm-hmm. and I caught it, and I was, I was really intrigued by it. It was such a unique movie, mm-hmm. a movie that I've never really seen anything the likes of before. Yeah. And, um, and then I really haven't seen it since until... So we watched it for this. See, it's a 2014 for me was just like a very fun, active year in my life where I was not watching a lot of movies. So I was just, it, it, all of these movies kind of just like yeah. flew under the radar. Eventually, someone made me watch Whiplash. Yeah, and yeah, it's a great movie. It was one of it's you know so one good. of my favorites. Yeah, and so I, I want to say I want I saw this one probably three years ago, maybe three, oh, wow. yeah, three okay. years ago. It was toward the end of me checking off towards the boxes. The end of the list. Yes. Yeah, this speaks volumes of 2014 that wouldn't. A movie that I really like, Nightcrawler, wasn't even yep. nominated. Did, yep. Didn't yeah, even get Jill, for sure. Was Gyllenhaal nominated? It was not nominated that for is, actor. That that's a crime. That's wild. That's wild. And but, if you haven't listened to our podcast before, at the end of every episode, we go through all of the other nominees. We give our thoughts on them. Yeah. So we kind of say that for the very end. As we always say, it's not a who should have won podcast. There's some years, yeah. Sometimes it is. Yeah, that's it. And and with these newer ones, like 2014, we did yeah. 2012, we know the other nominees a little better. We right. lived through it, so we get a little more of an extensive talk. Yes. 1948, we can't really, we'd have a harder time talking about the Nightcrawler version of that year. Right, right. And for all the MCU heads out there, you're finally going to get a little... A and little three, time. Three, three, MCU, three MCU. Three MCU. Because we got uh, Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy that year. Exactly. I will do my best not to sink the reputation <laughs> of our... Of our any sort of Twitter buildup we have, no, by don't worry. There, biting a, my lip. A, there is a strong MCU connection to this movie. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, huge. flat out talk about it within the movie. No, no, no. There's a stronger one. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> it, it, Great. It's a brings up kind of a good question. Do you think that superhero movie should be considered when it comes to best picture? It depends. I mean, you. You mean Dark Knight was nominated? Okay, so I am really going to try to bite my lip as much as I can throughout this episode and not. And not get to it. But it's good that I'm outnumbered with, with the MCU stuff because I, I absolutely hate Marvel movies. I can't stand them. I don't really consider them. I'm with Marty and I don't really consider them real cinema. I think they're they're popcorn money grabs. I don't f- put The Dark Knight in that category. Um, okay. I don't put the original Batmans in that category either for that matter. And the reason it's is... trying to keep punching people. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, well, the movie itself is fine. But there, 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 there are more intentions behind the movie. There are more... 
this thematically that's building this universe where movies connect to each other and you can just keep making movie on movie and movie movie is right. done for the box office. This, in my opinion, sure, yeah. And and when I say it's not art or stuff, I'm I'm playing off of that Marty Scorsese quote that he already said. Right. That's think, a little extreme. Think, listen, I don't think he's wrong. I think I think it's superhero. If you're talking about Marvel movies. It has to be really, really special for it to be right. nominated for an Oscar. And I think there's a it lot of be, there has right. to be something that's completely out of left field, like when a, like Black Panther. Black Panther, was Black Panther I, I don't think Black Panther should have been nominated. I don't think it was that strong. I think there's much better. I mean, I think again, Winter Soldier. I think that, is, that's not it's a really good movie. Do I think yeah. it's? But no, in a weaker year, it, yeah. I'm not think it's winning anything. But I think right. that's one of the better ones. I think there's good movies in there. Yeah, I think would, are they would, are they going to make money? Yeah, I don't think. You know, yeah, I also it, don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. And I don't think I don't think like a box office movie can't be nominated for best picture if it's a great know, movie. Return of the King it cleaned up on the Oscars and right. it got a boatload of money. But yeah, I think you know, I it's, think it's just the way it is. I think like with this movie, Birdman. When I was writing themes down, I wrote like 19 different themes. If you're watching a Marvel movie with one or two, is that going to... No, there's no depth to it. But if there's right. movies with depth, then you're looking we also, at it. We also just talked about Argo, and there's no depth to Argo. There's no depth to Argo at all. Any themes or depth to one of those MC movies is about as thin as a comic book page. Let's just be completely Yeah, honest. I mean, that's, that's what it is. I love thing. Marvel movies, and I'm not going to argue that. But it's they're, they're fun movies to watch, right. and I, I feel like there's... There's something to say about right. that too. I and, feel like and there, there's... they're hitting at a time when it's making money, you know. And I think there's something to it because 20 years ago, I don't know that it works as well. So I think they're doing something right, and it's hitting, you know, the kind of the pop culture. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it could run its course, and this could become a disaster in five years. But I think what it's been, I've seen most of those movies in theaters the weekend they came out. The movie Berman takes that question on pretty directly. I don't think it answers the question, but it does. Superheroes. They, 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 they do a lot of. It, it's a lot of. It's commercial success well, versus art. It's so. Are you a, are you an artist? Are you a celebrity? Right. That is that's that's a big question here. That that the dynamic between Ed Norton and Michael Keaton is the same thing. Where they're at the bar and Mike and Ed Norton's like, "This is my town," mm-hmm. and these people from like you know somewhere in the Midwest, <laughs> oh, it's Birdman, and they take a picture of them, and Ed Norton's like, "Here, take our picture," and yeah. no one knows who the hell he is. And he's like this acclaimed actor, right. yeah. But but, you know. but they talk about it. it's co- it's commercial success versus the art of things. You yeah. Know. So we're you know we're getting into it right here. So yeah, I, I don't see any reason not to let's do the dive. We're ready to go. Yeah. yeah. All right. So the year it's 2014. The U.S. president is Barack Obama. The World Series between two sub 90 win teams, the San Francisco Giants defeat the Kansas City Royals. In seven games to win their third World Series in five years. They do so behind manager Bruce Bochy and World Series MVP Madison Bumgarner. In a little movie tie-in stat, Tim Hudson started that game, Game 7, for the San Francisco Giants. And his likeness was featured in 2011's Moneyball. (laughs) The Billboard number 1 song of the year was Happy by Pharrell. Fun fact about that song is that... Pharrell, uh, Pharrell wrote that for CeeLo Green, and he didn't want to record it. Really? So, is that right? Yeah, so he's like, oh, I'll just do it. Wow. That's really yeah, funny. Wow. And it was a mega hit. Yeah, yeah, that made a lot of money. And that was in the Minions movie, I think, probably. Uh, one of them, yeah. Despicable Me, something like that. The Oscar for Best Picture goes to Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. It was directed by Alejandro Iranatu. Original screenplay by Alejandro G. Iranatu. Nicholas Giacobone. 
Alexander Dinaliaris and Armando Bo. You know, I spent all all day <laughs> trying to get Inarato down, and there's you, know, no you got the, the director, writers. main writer, right? It was a, this is a it victory. Was a, it was a valiant effort here. This is I a will, victory. I and it, you. Thank God they're not French. Music by Antonio Sanchez. Cinematography by Emmanuel Lubezki. The movie is starring Michael Keaton, Edward Norton, Emma Stone, Naomi Watts, and Zach Galifianakis. It's, it was nominated for nine Oscars. It was the winner of four, including Best Picture, Best Director, Alejandro Inaratu, Best Original Screenplay by those aforementioned gentlemen, and Best Cinematography, Emmanuel Lubezki. No yeah, that would be hard That's, to say no, no to. Oh, my God. Uh, was also nominated but did not win for Best Actor, Michael Keaton, Best Supporting Actor, Edward Norton, Best Supporting Actress, Emma Stone, Best Sound Mixing and Sound Editing. And now an interesting little quirky stat here at this Oscars was this was the first time since 1980 that a Best Picture winner was not nominated for Best Editing. They edited so, two weeks. That That is insane considering how well this movie's edited. Yeah. Well, I think maybe they a shot little it bit so had much to do with the lack of cuts. Yeah. But they're clever. God, they're so yeah. They're so well done. But well, and interesting, and it hasn't happened since. So in those, since 1980, count those 40 years, yeah. there's only been one. That's crazy. And this year, 1917, which was probably the runner-up to Parasite and could have won, yeah. was not nominated for film editing. There's several long takes on that one. Because it's the same thing. Yeah. When they talk about Birdman, they talk, the, the script was so meticulous that because they they shot it in order they couldn't cut things so right. yeah, they, had, yeah, they couldn't cut scenes so they had to shoot in order so they had to choreograph everything so yeah. they said there wasn't enough editing in it. even though the editing is perfect yeah there's 16 cuts i don't i couldn't find 16 cuts well, that's, that's what I mean. that's part of it yeah but it wasn't it enough no, 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 there's there's 16 visible cuts yeah i don't know if that fact totally shocks me i mean it, it's hard to notice the editing with the untrained eye but the camera work yeah. probably does work and get it. But that, that I think, jumps I think out that, right I away. Think, yeah. I think that is my point, though, is back, the fact that it's edited so seamlessly is that it should should be counted for something. It makes it feel yeah. like dreamy almost the way it is. I would have to think just the fact that 1917 and this were not, that there is that long take yeah, working. It has to, it has so there's some sort of the brain the, trust in there. Because 1917 is the same thing. It's one, this is where it starts, this is where it ends with this guy. Yeah. But there is a, a cool little uh, a cool little Oscar hack if uh, yeah. you want to when the nominees come out and you look at the ten nominees you want to really narrow it down to the five that are probably the likely contenders or maybe four because if some some years one of the nominees for editing isn't a best picture right. nominee so you can kind of figure out Get who's out there. so Birdman uh, first thoughts guys as you you picked this one more or less <laughs> to to do as your debut here what are your opening thoughts on it yes and and great. I think hit on it before. Uh, very unique. I don't think there's many other movies like it in in many ways. Between the cast, the story, how it's made, even the themes, the time it's set in. We talked about it. You know how they address the you know the superhero uh, being yeah you know, the superhero movies getting making all the money and and possibly a portion of Hollywood and maybe some uh, stage actors and actresses and directors being very upset about that mm-hmm. uh that that's my real takeaway is you know we'll talk about the quality of the movie and how watchable it is and everything like that but it's just it, it's incredibly unique i want to hear what you guys think about your initial takes on it too but first i want to talk about what we're drinking here this evening okay and i'll go first here i have a lager that i got in here it's a, a smoked hell's lager 
and it's called it's from the KCBC Kings County Brewers Collective. So it's a Brooklyn-based brewery. It's cool. But it's called the Hell's Kitchen Lager, and if anyone knows their New York geography, Broadway is located right by Hell's Kitchen. Yep. So I thought that was a nice little tie in there. Joey? I found, to bring it back to one of my favorite Sound of Music episodes, the Von Trapp Brewing Hell's Golden Lager wow. uh, by the family that inspired the Sound of Music. Wow, a throwback. A throwback beer reference. Yeah, like so, you know, it's what, uh, when I get to hang out with Julie Andrews, this is what we'll drink one day. <laughs> <laughs> Grant, what are you drinking over there? Well, right now, I, I look for something bird-related. The best I can find on short notice <laughs> was uh, was Yingling that have an e- that has an eagle on the label. Okay, uh, so, yeah. so it's a, a Yingling Porter, and uh, I also have in the fridge uh, Five Burrows Pilsner. Very so nice. I figured really I like represent that. the city, with Five Burrows. So I got that going for me. Very nice. And us. I'm drinking the Montauk uh, Session, the green can for those familiar, and I'm a little embarrassed about how. Uh, Uncreative, that is. So However, no, that is as a listener of the podcast, that, you know that we usually drink Montauk. So a there you go. Staple, right? Yeah, that is consistent. Right. So you're, a staple. You're, on, you're on theme. You tied it in well. Yeah, you're you tied fine. right on, Bryn. Uh, so, Joe, riff a little bit here. Initial thoughts on this one. Like I said, I had seen it a couple years ago, and I liked it. I thought it was cool. Like they had said, I thought it was unique. And then I, you know, for when we do these, I watch them all twice. I watch them the first time, just straight through. Phone down. Second time, I take my notes. And as I kind of do it, watch it, and think about it, it's just how much more you get from it because you're talking about a movie with themes of kind of everything from obsession to fantasy to magical realism to, you know, suicide. It's just so many different things that and, – and it's all done without being heavy-handed and it's all kind of done in a super creative way and – you're not sure what's real, which I always think is makes it fun to talk about. And I think Michael Keaton fucking crushes it. Yeah, it's a um, it's a very complex movie, but it's still extremely accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's something that you can you can watch it and you can get whatever you want out of it. Whatever you whatever you want to find in there, you can find in there. I think this movie is brilliantly made. I mean, spoiler alert: it's one of my favorite movies we've talked about so far. Wow. On the uh, on on this show. Wow. Yeah, it's one of those things where I watched a couple of years ago and I thought it was good, and then I watched it a few nights ago for this, and I was blown away, and then I watched it again this morning, and I was even more so blown away. Yeah. You, just, yeah, you, just cool. ca- you just catch more and more every time things make sense. You put the pieces together yourself. Whatever you want to get out of it, you get out of it. Yeah, and I, and I, I feel I feel like that's really special for a movie it's not done in a lazy way either but because there's so many things that are underneath the surface that you can dig up and the more you watch it the more things come up i I think i think you said it really perfectly because again every time you watch it there's so much more that comes out yeah it hits the ground running too oh yeah which is fantastic it's always nice it's always nice it starts starts off at a 10 and it doesn't relent. it doesn't relent no at all so this one for me this is what i wasn't really sure how i was going to react to this upon watching it again Thematically, and I'm, I'm going to get a kick it back to you, Joey, to kind of go into some of those themes that you brought up already. But I think thematically, this movie is very strong, as Joey, as you said. There's a lot it's trying to say. Yeah. And there's a lot there to be said. It's super dialogue-driven. Mm-hmm. You know, they get across every point they need just from these guys talking, which is always a movie I like. I think there's – if you do it right, it can be one of the more compelling movies. If you do it wrong, it could be a, a total bore, which right. this movie's not. <clears throat> no. I think that we have been a little bit exhausted with these Hollywood show time 
Broadway-themed movies in general. And I think that because of that, this type of movie will turn a number of people off to it. I think that the vessel they chose, and what they're trying to say in this movie, and we'll talk, you know, when we get to it, we'll talk about the ending, we'll talk about what, how we interpret it and, and everything from there. What they're trying to say in this movie, I think, is something that makes up a great movie and a great story mm -hmm. and a great conversation. I think that they chose an interesting vessel to do so. I mean, you could tell the same story and make the same point in a movie about an athlete or a musician or a sure. painter yeah. or, or however you want to do it. They chose to do it within the Hollywood scheme, with, which is... And nailed 2014. They, they, yeah. want, they, wanted, they wanted to make this... I guess, I guess they wanted to make this as meta as possible. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, I, I don't know if they just... They've always wanted Keaton in this role. Mm -hmm. They take Keaton, who was in the superhero franchise and left... And Since 1992. Yeah, 1992. That's when Batman yeah. Returns came out. So you have him. You also have Ed Norton, who yeah, who's playing who's, himself who's, too. Who's basically, right. who's yeah. basically right. an artistic blowhard, right? And like that's that's kind of his reputation. He's right. difficult to work with in real life. He was doing the scene with the script thing yeah. during the scene with the script, where the act, the director had to be like, and which you're is, doing which, what which is, is happening?" Which is, a, <laughs> which, is, which, is a, which is a great scene, it's phenomenal like, I, I scene. That. But it's it's scene. perfect that he was doing it in real life. Right. So it's it's very. I feel like. It's one thing to be a Broadway movie. This isn't. I mean, it's it's on Broadway, but it's a play, so it's a little. It's a bit of a different animal. It's, it's, it's a story know, it's, of it's, creation, they're not, they're not, but it's, not all, doing... it's it's not just Broadway though. It's Broadway versus cinema and Hollywood sure. versus versus the stage, and and all of that makes sense. And I'm and I'm not saying that I necessarily dislike that about this movie. I'm just saying that when you pick that vessel, you have to be careful because it's been done so many times before, and it's even been done in a lot of these movies we've. Discussed and that we're going to discuss. Yeah, too. But, those, so, but those were musicals, though, right? right? So this is a little. This is a, a different take on on and, that. And you're, this is you're, you're playing in the same jungle, though. You're playing in the same jungle, but you're playing in a different way. You're coming at it in a different style, where it's more about kind of creating his redemption than no. And, and I get that, and I get that thematically, and and I'm all in on again on the themes and all that. I'm just saying when you get into Actors talking about acting and and movie sure. makers talking about filmmaking, right. you're you're gonna lose a part of your audience just because they're like, all right, these guys are right. at first glance. It's a Hollywood movie about Hollywood and at theater. first glance, but and, and, people and, may not want right. to dig totally to and, get to the rest of the. And Grant, you brought up how each time you watch it, you see more and more, and you yeah. put the pieces together. It's a movie meant to be rewatched. My question is: is how rewatchable is it? That's the question that I, I want to I, come and answer with as, as we go on to this. I think it's as rewatchable as as you want it to be. That's exactly what my that's, answer was going to be. That's kind of what I think it is. Yeah. Like I want to watch this movie again. I mm -hmm. want to catch more things. But again, uh, talking about obviously, yes, at first glance, it's a it's a movie about art. It's a movie about acting. This movie, to me, in a way, almost one of the themes of this movie is that art is bullshit. No matter how high or how lowbrow you think it is, it's all phony. It's all bullshit. It all doesn't really matter. And I think that's something that if you if you if someone takes the time to watch it, put the work into it, I feel like that's what they would come out with. So it's like the anti it's the anti art movie. Yeah, and I I agree, and I think Edward Norton really helped that oh, sure. with his mm -hmm. character because yeah. that is a fine line. Um, and by the way, the, the name Mike Shiner. Yeah. Great name. Right. That's a great name. <laughs> My a good name. About, that is a great name. Yeah. Um, and the way he played that part, 
really, really helps yeah. deliver the point that you just stated. A lesser right? actor doesn't loses that point. Absolutely. And, oh, he, you need, yeah. and you need someone who you know is kind of a dick in real life about things. And going back to the casting of Michael Keaton, I don't see how this movie makes any sense... Or works without him, right? I, just I, I agree. I feel like yeah, I, I think you asked perfect. us that when we first but, were talking. Was it who? Who else could you even cast in that role? Right? Does this movie? It doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. It's so obviously right. a Batman. Did yeah. you guys come up with I mean, anything that, that I not tried him, so no. hard? And I, did, no. I didn't I, even try. I did. I, I tried very hard. Got someone who I think uh, I did. obviously the answer is, is that you couldn't get it so on the head right. where it's like. You're matching up the 92 and the, and the Birdman the, Batman. The Birdman is, is costume Adam, is based is it, off his Batman costume. Like, that's how yeah. they modeled it. Is it Adam West? Is uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like another, it's another Batman. Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. <laughs> so it, it, would be, it would be, again, it's not, you're going to lose the, the spot on thing. But a Sylvester Stallone would be a guy whose story could at least... It could at least make sense with this fictional character. I will. I will say this, because he did get because Stallone right off the bat got the, the accolades, the critical accolades that Birdman would never get in a million right. years. Good so point. it. So maybe Schwarzenegger. But again, he's not playing himself. It's no, kind of playing. I, no, I, I, I Schwarzenegger became governor though. Well, that's true. <laughs> but but the, the critical no, success no, no, is the part that gets that's lost. the thing. Like yeah. it's, because. Because uh, Michael Keaton's character has been so maligned mm-hmm. over the years. Like, yeah. oh, you're just right. some bullshit superhero. Right, yeah. Like, at least Stallone's... Rocky was not... Right, we, we, and, right. And he directed and then maybe these maybe the other one I thought it was Tobey Maguire. Might be a little too young. But, yeah. But does you know. he get placed but, but, in the superhero box? No. Like no. Michael Keaton did? Because I would assume at some point... In the uh, between Batman and Batman Returns, Michael Keaton's one of the biggest stars in the world. Sure, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I would imagine that Tobey Maguire certainly gets tied to Spider Man, though. I mean, when people, yeah. when you hear Tobey Maguire, the first thing you think of is Spider Man. You can yeah. say otherwise. No, and, but, and in those movies, but he did go on to like Oscar Darlings, like Sea Biscuit afterwards. The answer to the question is you you wouldn't find anyone to get that spot on. Right. Tobey Maguire's not a bad. That's not a. Bad That's not a terrible. He's, he's. I think he's probably too young, but I, I don't think you know. Great Gatsby's pulling him out of it. Does the movie even yeah. work without Michael Keaton? I don't know. I mean, it, obviously, if you put, you know, DiCaprio is going to do just fine in any role. It probably but... doesn't gain any of the attention it gained. And yeah. Because it was, I think... it was interesting that it was him. It's kind yeah. of similar to the wrestler in Mickey Rourke. It's interesting right. that Mickey Rourke's right. back. Yeah. I think the other thing with the Keaton thing, it, because it is a movie that's kind of off-kilter reality-wise, I think Michael Keaton as Birdman grounds it in a reality that makes it more... More accessible, probably, and probably brings more eyes to it than it would if it was just yeah. actor A, who could have been great. But I also think he nailed the role and nailed the emotion of it. So I think it's just, it's too perfect. You yeah. saw a similar, uh, so, uh, sorry, I was, you saw a similar effect this year with um, Uncut Gems with yep. Sandler yes. coming in and yes. it's like, oh, yes. Sandler's back, he's going to do something serious. What you, what They're not even trying to, that, by the, the movie is not even trying to get around the fact that it's so directly. Michael Keaton, no, they, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they love right, it. Right off the bat, yeah. when um, the the first the, the actor that gets hurt right in the beginning, yes, yeah, where, where he needs to be uh, replaced with a shiner, they're trying to figure out who's going to replace him, and yeah. they talk about Jeremy Renner. Yep, yep. And he goes, and this is Artie's like, no, is, Jeremy Renner, shout out. This is this <laughs> is uh, Woody Harrelson, Fassbender. Sorry, I skipped to the uh, later on, but that's this is my line in the movie. Okay, Riggins goes, Michael Keaton goes. Asking about Renner, it's like, oh, he's got an Avengers movie. He goes, fuck, they put a cape on him too. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. they're yeah. on this yeah. right, yeah. right, right. And that whole thing. thing is perfect. It's Woody Harrelson. Oh, he's doing uh, Hunger, Games. Hunger Games. And then he's doing. Right. I mean, give me Fastbender. He's doing X Men, which Days of Future Past comes out the same year. But, he's, but he's, I think he said, like, oh, he's doing the sequel to the X Men prequel or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that part of it, though, is that when you're able to get that casting so perfect. Right. And it's that spot on. Then your your writers are now writing right. into that. Oh, so sure. like, yeah, you wouldn't take the exact script right. and put Tobey Maguire or Sylvester Stallone there. Lewis would be different, right? right. Yeah. But it's, you but you you tweak things then. And, but, and they, they were just able to lead into it so hard. Right. Can we go to the title sequence? Because yeah, I'm sure. a big fan of that. Because so it starts, and I think it hits one of the numerous themes, right? Because so we hear the drums. So I think it's a really cool way introing into the music. And then, you know, it slowly comes up. And what? And did you get what you wanted from this life? Even so, I did. And what did you want? To call myself beloved, to feel myself beloved on the earth. By Raymond Carter, who wrote what? This play that was, was adapted That was from. on his tombstone. And that was on his tombstone, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, that's, so, it's, so they're introducing us to really a big theme of the movie. They're introducing us to yeah. the playwright who motivated the actor to become an actor. And the fantastic soundtrack, all in a two-minute title sequence that just looks really cool too that that quote is the main theme of the movie mm -hmm. today everything is falls that, under that that his his desire to be loved and adored yep and he gets he tries to get that in any way he can whether it's through the crowds or through his family or it's through critics any kind of positive reinforcement he is just starving for mm -hmm. and this is really his motivation for this play. Like he just wants to, wants to feel, he wants to feel loved. He yeah. wants to feel loved again. Yeah. Right up to the point where if his dresser, the mirror in his mm -hmm. dresser has a note that says that. a thing is a thing, not what, what is said of right. that thing. Right. You know, he has to remind himself that, you know, they're not just what people think of you as and think of you as. Right. We talked, we talked about superheroes, but you see with, with TV actors all the time getting typecast. I think when you watch it, um, the first kind of theme that you think is like obsessive actor about art, right? right? But I think really it is about that to be loved because, you know, he says at one point, like, you know, I was, I was not present for my own life. Now I don't have it. And the, right. the, the ex-wife says... You don't have to be a good father. You just have to be one. Like, it's just about kind of being present and being loved. And I think the obsessive actor part is kind of the over, you know, what it seems to be, but it goes way deeper. Yeah, and, and it's and a lot of this is, within the movie, it's the play imitating the character's life. Mm -hmm. So art imitating life, yep. imitating art imitating life. Because the whole, there's monologue at the end before he gets, before he shoots himself. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll get, we can get into the actual dialogue later. But when, you know, this whole thing is like, Oh, you, you don't love me. You you never, you never love me, no matter what. Like right. I don't exist. I don't exist. I don't exist. And, and that second I don't exist, just yeah. when and and that's that's what sets all this in motion. Right, because yeah. the the love is what creates him and right. gives him kind of that energy. He's obsessed with his legacy. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. the, that's the that's the yeah. I think if you put it in one word, it's legacy. Right. He talks about it. he talks about if he died on a plane with George Clooney, no one would. He says it. He says if I was on Farrah Fawcett died the same day as Michael Jackson. Did exactly. you know that? Yeah. It's yeah. about his legacy, and I don't know if when we talked about his family. I don't. I didn't think that he necessarily uh, prioritized his family. He didn't. He says first. that, yeah, until he gets not, older. Not when he not, not, now now it's too late. Now he does, right. but he tries to. You know, you see you see this happening. He kind of has closure with his wife and with his daughter right. by the he, end of the movie. He, he does. You know, okay, by the end of the movie, but throughout the movie. You know, he doesn't prioritize his family. He's, he's his, still, who is this? Uh, it's, it's my daughter. She's my assistant. Right. You know, like, it, it is, 
Everything is everything is in relation to himself. Right. right. Every, his, every his, 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 well, that's the other theme his, of ego. His yeah. The ego is so strong. His perspective was still skewed. Right. Yeah. And then it took a few things to kind of realize, no matter what I do, like this isn't going to make me happy. We'll all give our, our thoughts on the on the ending and what right. we took out of it and what yeah. we think it means. Because I think there's a lot of different ways to interpret, oh, interpret for it. Oh, sure. I love the start to this thing. Like you said, this this movie kind of starts on the ground running. Yeah. Just the levitating. Gets right in. <laughs> and... So the what our, what's our name of our poor poor guy who kicks the speaker? Ralph. 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 Okay. Hapless Ralph, according to Wikipedia. Hapless, Hapless Ralph. Ralph. Now, that's great. Portraying a bad actor is he, not as easy as it sounds. And that like, guy's like an award-winning play actor. Yeah. Because <laughs> think about it. Like you don't want it. You don't want to be so bad that everyone's like, God, God, this guy right, right, cartoonish. Yeah. yeah. Right. You want it to kind of be like, oh, that was pretty good, and then have everybody in the back rolling their eyes saying, exactly. God, this guy stinks. Yeah. You know, well, like, it's it's like the experts have to tell you it's shitty because you think it's sort of good. It's yeah, like yeah, when right. you watch singing shows and you're like, oh, I thought it was good, and then the judges rip them apart. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Spot like on. we all know who the crappy yeah. guy is. Karaoke disaster. Right. We all know who's. We all know the William Hungs aren't good. Right. Cruise ship karaoke. <laughs> um, one of the best examples of bad act, a good actor playing bad is Brian Cranston in That Thing You Do, where oh, he's what? the astronaut, oh, yeah. and he's like he's he's uh, he's Gus Grissom. He's this astronaut, so he's he's kind of a square, and he's on this variety show. And he's like, oh, it's just like your work with her. It was out of this world. Like it was like, he, acted, he acted he acted really stiff and like. Yeah. Trying to be charming, and yeah. Brian Cranston can do anything. Right? Yeah, and, yeah. He yeah. acted like a non-actor. So it's, it's, in there. it's very hard to act like you're bad at acting. Yeah, I remember when I was little, there was some ski movie where there was some skier like rolling down the hill, like you know, like was, that, I, was that out cold? Because Out Cold's great. Out Cold is fantastic. This was before that because we were way younger. Out Cold. Skiing movie rankings. Um, but I, I remember being like, oh, and I remember my dad being like, it's really hard to do that. Because a yeah. bad actor's a bad skier is just gonna break his neck. Like this guy's doing it and doing it. I was like, wow. And that's what I think about now when we come here. I want to talk a little bit about Naomi Watts uh, because yeah. I kind of forgot she was in this yeah. when I put it on again. And I'm a big, big Naomi Watts fan. I think she's super, super beautiful and yep. just always crushes us. She's not in like a ton of no. things that everyone would know. But I know her first from Mulholland Drive. Me too. Yeah, the David Lynch movie and. Just, I mean, she fits into this movie nicely and doesn't get in the way of anything, but keeps her. Keeps but she her keeps character. things moving. Yeah, I think she just is perfect in this. Yeah, you almost well, want to know more about the relationship with her, between her and Shiner. <laughs> yeah, how, how do you know Shiner? Oh, we share a vagina. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say the the one the one thing about this movie is that it moves so fast that some characters don't have a chance to breathe. And that's that's like the one thing I don't like about this movie. Mm -hmm. But I feel like she's she's given enough because like the scene where he where where Keaton consoles her. Yeah, it's a great scene. Uh, that's a great scene. Uh, she has one of my favorite. Her and Laura have one of my favorite quotes in the movie. It's not my favorite favorite, but it's an honorable mention. Oh boy! So, but uh, after she, you know, after Norton tries to sleep, you know, have, right. have sex with her. Yeah, and she's like, why don't I have any self-respect? And Laura says, you're an actress, honey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're an actress, right? That gets back into our, our John Goodman Argo. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, but like... I, but like but when she's covered in blood with her yeah. hair made up, that's just such also, a fantastic also, visual, too. It, it also, it kind of drives home the theme of the movie about these these insecure actresses yep. and actors yeah. trying to trying to find love wherever they right. can. Yeah. To find, and, and that's yeah. more about the ego, though, than yeah. like what they're willing to do to kind of fill that insecurity and exactly. insecurity and just that, that longing for something else. And it's also, again, it's about obsession about, you know, how she, how, I don't know how many lines she has. It's not a ton, 
but she brings up numerous times about all this time to get to Broadway, and now I'm here. Like, that's such you, a you know, big thing for her. You know where she's coming from. Right. Like, you her motivation is clear from. in a short time, which I think yeah. is really good, because I don't think we see that from good Laura. She, she, needs, to, like. she yeah. needs the play to work. Right. Almost yeah. as much as... as right, exactly. Right. Right. And, and right. that's why yeah, I think... She's a, she's, she represents the, the new one on... Right. She's exactly. trying to tack on to someone right. else's... And I think that's why that scene where he consoles her is so important, and so when he's like, you know, I appreciate you, I love you, you're beautiful, and I'm very appreciative you're here, and I think... There's that connection, just like Oz said, that they both need this to work for very different reasons, but they both need this to work for the next step. Yeah, yeah it, this is our second movie in a row where we're covering a movie that takes place in a two to three day period, a weekend, if mm-hmm. you will. Lost Weekend, Last Weekend, now this one. And I think that when you have those movies, you do get those under-realized characters, like you said, Grant, yeah. where you want to know a little more. You want to, But remember, where this is this is only two days of their life, right, so you right. can't have them building their you whole life story out there. And if it was more exposition, we'd be bored. Because you can't break up the tempo of the movie. There right. is a tempo to yes. this movie, and you can't stop it to... Right. Oh, the drums all tempo, yeah. and, and which makes the, the score... And let's talk about the score right now. It, one of the reasons that the score is so genius is because this, this is movie's wrong. all tempo. It's pacing it. it it's a phenomenal. It's movie. Yeah. This can't stop for her to sit down and have a five-minute cup of coffee and talk about her whole career of failed off-Broadway, you know, plays. Yeah, you have, you're, you're left to infer. Yeah. You're left to... An RDV yeah. buzzword. You're yeah. left to infer. <laughs> but right. is, uh, her struggles as an actress. Right, right. And we talked a little bit about the score in the Halloween episode, Grant. The very... This, re- we found some answers. This was disqualified from yeah. the best... Because the best of, because of length. The, the classical music... that They said that classical music that they didn't write played such a big part in the plot that it couldn't count because of the drum... That it wasn't with the drumming. They said yeah, class, no. they, and there were pieces within the drumming that weren't they couldn't construe as original. Right. It was you know, it was a very convoluted idiot. They, yeah. they even wrote like, hey, we we what you guys did is phenomenal, but because the classical music hits every time Birdman kinda does something big when And he, he appealed, on. he fought hard yep. for it, he you know, so So that might be some answer to our Halloween yeah. exorcist kind of thing. But they're they're very rigid Particularly when it comes to music, with original song or sure. or score, they just don't really get music yeah. in the academy, and and it's it's ridiculous that it would disqualify. Especially, yeah, this is one of the more unique. Yeah, it's and great. With the first time, I'll tell you what. Between this and Whiplash, a great year for drums. Yeah, seriously, great year, great drum year. Riggins and uh, Schneider are walking, and you see the drummer in the street. Yeah. It's like. Oh, it's in the world! <laughs> yeah, they mentioned yeah. it. You see, him, you, see him a few, you see him backstage. Yep, too. you see him three times, I think. And, and then it's the backstage phenomenal. one, you're wondering, is it is he really is it there? Real or not is he being imagined? Is it but it doesn't matter because it's just so good, it's such a part, and it's just it's but it, just. It, but it makes sense because of how unhinged, right? Michael Keaton is. So Edward Norton obviously plays a, a major role in this in this movie. He's a, a major component of this movie. He's introduced here through the Naomi Watts character. He makes a, a, a grand intro here in what I think is one of my favorite scenes of the movie here when he meets Keaton on stage. So such a great scene. They have the, each of the scripts. And, this was a know, battle for my best line. scene. Feed me a line. Yeah. Wait, Ed Norton does not have a script. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Feed me a line. He's like, how'd you do that? It's a gift. I've been reading this. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you know my like, line? I've been studying too? this with Leslie. Like, right. You know, so, yeah, but I've been helping her get off the book. It's, yeah. it's just such a fan, because we hear about this guy, Snyder, how excited he is, then it's the pan around, then he's just standing on the stage with the top fedora and everything, yeah. and then right, gets yeah, right, right into... He's standing right, just, right next oh, to that light. Right, it's just such a killer Looking entrance. Looking like any obnoxious New right. York like theater guy. Like, just looks like yeah. such a douche. <laughs> it plays into um, Riggins' mindset, too. Like, here we have a 
actor who's supposed to be this great actor that could save his play, and he only cares that this guy knows the New York Times reviewer. It's the only thing right. Riggins cares yep. about. So, oh, it's it's his, it's his in to right. this uh, to this good review that he needs. Right. Get, get, get us the actor. So he, the yeah, actor. he doesn't care about the quality of the actor. He just right. wants that review. Yeah, their their rapport is real awesome, and I think like it's something like this does not work unless you have that. And I think that that's common throughout this whole movie is that just the chemistry between every so everybody works. Everybody works in scenes one on one with each other, right? And it's easy to say like, oh, they're all actresses, no problem. But like, there's something about this movie where when you take every two members of the cast mm-hmm. out of the room and put them together, they can have a banging scene. The, di- the dynamics work really well. Yeah. And, and so yeah. much of bad, you know, when movies don't work, it's because actors just don't work together. Like yeah, you could, chemistry. Right, you could try to make this scene work with two other actors and this scene could be really bad and it could be more, it could turn into power, it could turn into a fight, it could turn into belittling, it could turn into so many different things. It's, it's a superb cast that manages to do it without being a quote-unquote all-star cast. Right. Because right. it is, basically, it is quote-unquote all-star cast. I mean, they're all, they're all, I mean, my they're God. literally all former superheroes, you know? <laughs> yeah. like, but, Even so, Naomi Watts, she was yeah, in Tank Girl. But, right, well, yeah, Tank Girl, there you go. <laughs> it shows how good the cast is when we haven't spoken about Galifianakis yet. Yeah, well, yeah. right, and Galifianakis yeah, he's, he's, in there, and he's a blockbuster guy, too. He's, with he's really, uh, yeah, he's and really he's, great at this movie. He's great <laughs> as the lawyer best friend who's just ha- just taking on all the anxiety of it. Just, like, hanging yeah. on by a thread. When, yeah. and, but my, I when he, want keeping this afloat. When he's like, get him the contract. You don't understand. Just get him the contract. I'll get yeah. the money. It's like, stop smiling. That's what's freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go for the, the clothes fitting, which is just Ed Norton checking himself out naked in the mirror. With oh, yeah. Emma Stone in the background and the poor fucking Taylor just sitting just, there. Just like inches away from his dick. <laughs> right. <he's> a, <laughs> that's, a, that's another clad. What, what's going on? Why don't you have underwear? Where, like, where's your underwear? Where's where's your under, underwear? under my bed, I think. Yeah, under my, and the whole time he's just completely ignoring the fact that these two are just talking shit about him. His chest is up. He's arching his back. He's just checking himself because, out in the full length mirror. Ego. He's, he's all he's, ego. He's obsessed with his dick size. And meanwhile, he has erectile dysfunction. Except yeah. on the stage, so because that's where his truth. Because is. that's where it's real, right? Quote because unquote, real, you know. Because he he's so much, you know, the the you know theme of like what is truth and honesty, and for him, it's the, in the real world is nothing. He's a fraud. He makes that, you know, and truth or dare. Yeah. He won't. There is no truth. It is all dare. Yeah. Edward Norton's character represents what Riggin thinks that he could be, and and I and and he, aspires he, to be. He wants to be. That's that's high art. Right. That's well, what that's that's making it in the highest stage. Right. And there's so many examples when they just highlight Norton's Norton's character's real life, where he's really just he's not even making it through his day. In he's getting kicked manner. out of his home because yeah, he's got, he he's, can't get a boner. Yeah. At so home. Just, but then you know when they're fighting, he says you know. Uh, Mike Ed Norton says he goes plays are complex emotion the big superhero movies they're cultural genocide mm. and it you know that's right there is so much where they're coming from and why you know and that Reagan wants to be this acclaimed yeah, actor and prove himself I think the right. other line he had was well, popularity is a, is the slutty, slutty little sister yep. of prestige yeah. Yep. Yeah. which I love that one yeah. yeah Edward Norton does a great job making that character well rounded because I uh, agree that Reagan's wants to be what Shiner is, but he wants to be what he thinks Shiner is. Right, yes. right, right, exactly. The, the, idea of, the idea of Shiner. But the, yeah. when the curtains close, obviously, Shiner's not... He, no, he's just... He's well, got issues. And a part of that is is that he can't compute the baggage that comes along with that, just like he can't compute the baggage that came along with his previous career right. of being the megastar. 
he was a mega star, but he was an absentee father. He was an absentee yeah. husband. Right. He, he, he was not a good family man, yeah. and his family is in shambles because yeah. of it. Meanwhile, he's focusing on the play, the play, the play, and he sees Shiner, and he, he sees what Shiner can do, and he's, there's an envy there with right. that. And it's so and much about perception. And, and he's not understanding what right. comes along with what Shiner is. Right, because he's just, he's just, even though he gets mad about the, you know, the front page of the art section, it's, he's not mad, he's mad because it's not him. Because that's what he wants. Because his perception is that that's what he should be. And, and the fact that it was his story, so it could have been him. It should have been him. Yeah. He, he thinks, Michael Keith thinks all this stuff will, the success of this play will bring him happiness. Yep. He thinks it'll, it'll make Birdman go away. And, he's, and he sees Ed Norton as that life raft. As, yep. as, mm-hmm. as, as his way to be taken seriously this play to get notoriety. That's legitimately all Riggins wants. I don't, I didn't think, it didn't strike me that Riggins cares at all about his family. I know they touch on it a little bit at the end, but it's, this isn't a story about him, they, they allude to him being a pretty bad father. Yeah. With, mm-hmm. with, the, with Sam being in rehab and out of rehab having issues, mm-hmm. her being his assistant, not his daughter. Um, but he's not trying to really repair that relationship. If I, it gets repaired as a result of what he's trying to achieve, so be it. But at, it's not—it's not a primary goal at first. As time, as these, as these, these previews happen, I—I I forget what the watershed moment was. He kind of realizes that he's in over his head, mm-hmm. and he kind of, kind of starts to make sense that I really, I really fucked up here, right. mm-hmm. and I really need to try to make things happen. It's. It, a, a scene, a scene later on, which is my favorite scene. We'll, we'll get into it later with with the the dashes. Yeah, it's a great in the scene. universe and all that, and how long we've been around. I feel yeah, like that's scene. that's the first time where he had an honest conversation with his daughter about right him being a terrible father. Yeah, but we even talked about this with um, the conversation exactly. Emma Stone and Ed Norton, where he's like, "Why do you hate him so much? Yeah, what did he like, do to you?" Well, she's like, "Well, he wasn't there." He's like, "Okay," and he's like, "Then he tried to." make up for it by making me think I was special. Right. And then you kind of, she says that and she kind of realizes like, maybe he did try, like maybe he tried harder than I thought. Maybe it wasn't too little too yeah. late. Yeah. Uh, another aspect of this movie that plays an interesting role is social media. That's a huge part it of it. It plays yeah. a, a big part of it. And I like the comparison of his obsession with the newspaper and yeah. her obsession with you Twitter, Twitter and, Twitter. and, and yeah, followers yeah, yeah. And, and how he can't grasp He's stuck in the New York Times and the paper, and then and then well, I think uh, Nort- Norton's character says, well, "The New York Times is nothing." Tonight they're going to be tweeting about it. Tomorrow we're going to be laughing at them. Yeah, yeah. And she's how many followers? And right. then there, you have the people who who right. take the videos in when he's in his underwear, and it's it's kind of. And he said, "She wonder, says she goes, this is power. Believe it or not, this is what power is." Yeah, and I mean, and this movie's six years old, and. That totally works and applies today, mm-hmm. and, and, and that that sentiment has only grown every day of our lives. With with well, all it that, is you so wonder much. where we'll be twenty years from now. Where how that how yeah. that she does ages say, um, yeah, you're going viral. Like, yeah, yeah, actually does. Viral. Yeah. 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 Interesting. There there is one where after Ed Norton has his boner on stage, he's like. I got fifty thousand views on that, yeah. and then within an hour, he had three hundred fifty thousand views. Exactly, right? Like to show you the disparity between, yep, yep. Because he's so the celebrity. He's so big, like he's so much bigger than. Wow, I missed, I missed that that number comparison. Yeah, what, yeah. what celebrity means and how important it is in this world. I mean, and, and that hits a couple times, and I yeah. think that's a good example. So I I want to talk a little bit more about Emma Stone's character and her relationship. 
not just her relationship with her father, but also the interesting dynamic between her and Norton. But before we do that, I think it's time that we delve into the world of the Dark Knight. <laughs> Get started with our definitive BPC Batman ranking. That's just Batman's. Right. <laughs> Batman's is the proper grammatic. As long as I don't call Adam West Dominic West, this is a <laughs> I just can't get that I can right. just picture McNulty as best Batman. Well, the, we, we the, won't, the man's men is your fight. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, we won't settle the endless debate of Batman versus Batman tonight. I don't even know if, it is, if it is a debate. Yeah, this is your guy's battle, so... But we, we do hope to settle the argument as to who is the best Batman of all time and who is the weakest Batman of all time. So to preface this, I'm just gonna throw the guidelines out there that we've agreed upon. We are going to be discussing the live action Batman portrayals. So the animated characters are not going to be involved here. And they are going to be live action on the big screen. So we're going to rule out the television only appearances too. So that being said, I know we have a couple of Will Arnett, Lego Batman fans here who were thrilled that he could, couldn't be included in the rankings. So I'm going to give you guys a little time to talk about that. And then I'll talk about one that I'm involved with that, that will not be included either. So yeah, I think this is just my show, right? Yeah, yeah no, Grant I'm, has I'm, a different one. Okay. But uh, the Lego Batman movie is good. I mean, I know it's <laughs> pri- primarily made for kids. I've seen it a few times. I enjoy it. And I can't wait till my son's old enough that... Um, me watching it isn't super weird because yeah, okay. honestly, it's good. He's he's funny. He's good. He hits the right marks, and you know, for a standalone movie, it really works. And I, I think he's a, he's a really good Batman. Another another Zach Galifianakis movie. No, this is, yeah, he's the Joker. He's the Joker. <laughs> Look at that connection. Look at wow. That. See, bing, even bang, more boom. relevance. Bing, bang boom. But yeah, so I just think he was very good in it. His voice is perfect for it. And it works. He's kind of just parodying the Bale Batman, though, right? He's a little funnier. Does the he takes it to the to yeah? He's yeah. He's it's, funnier. It's, it's very it's very over the top. It's it's very entertaining. Yeah, it's it is. It's good. It's it's ridiculous, and it's you know it really gets into the loneliness of it when like the Justice League all like has parties without him and shit. It's so just, just to be funny. clear, you wanted Lego Batman in these rankings somewhere. Yeah, I mean, he would have been. He wouldn't have won, but yes, you wanted him. You wanted like <laughs> he wouldn't have been number one. Yeah, he would have been. He would have been ahead of Clooney. Probably. Mine is, uh, who should have been number one, is Kevin Conroy, who was the voice of Batman in the animated series and the theatrical released Mask of the Phantasm. Mm-hmm. Um, but not live action. Not so live action, good. so it's off the table. It's fine. But uh, to me, he is the best incantation of Batman. He's everything that Batman's about. Cool. And if you wanted your Star Wars tie-in, you could take it right now. Oh, Mark Hamill? Yeah. Mark, Mark Hamill's voice the Joker. Yeah, the and he's the Joker, a really good Joker. Maybe, maybe the best Joker. <laughs> that always comes up number one. It's, with, it's, yeah. it's so he's, good. He's a very it's good Joker. so great. Did you know, I didn't realize he was the new voice of Chucky in the remake. Yes. I watched that the other day. Really bad movie. Yeah, I have not I, heard I, a nice I, thing I, about I that I wanted one. to see it. Yeah, no, um, no. Honestly, I was laying on my couch and it came on and it was, it was like 7 a.m. I was like, all right. <laughs> it's a good time to watch it. Murder doll movie. Does everyone not do that? Is that is that a weird I think, thing? I think um, it's just you and Artie. Yeah. And the last one that I wanted to bring up too is the Fox series Gotham. I don't know. Have you guys checked that out? I have saw you, the first couple of episodes and I kind of just bailed on it. I haven't seen it. I hear I've heard something I've wanted to check out. I just haven't gotten so, to. I'm not giving it like a like go out and watch because it's kind of like it's kind of cheesy and not great. Okay. I got through three seasons, you know, I enjoyed it, it's entertaining, I, it, it, 
anything in that old 24 episode network TV model, it doesn't, that's a little rough today. It's, it doesn't really yeah. work. It doesn't work anymore. Like, that's, I think that was the thing with Gotham where I, I kind of watched it and I was kind of hoping for like a one season arc. Right. Yeah, and, and this one just very goes episodic. on forever. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it's 20, 20 episodes a season. Oh, it, was like, right. it, was like, it was like a villain of the week kind of thing. I'm like... And how active is yeah. Batman yeah. in it? Uh, not well, at all. He's a kid. He's a, kid. He's a little kid. Oh, he's a, yeah, really? Bruce Wayne's Fresh, a little kid. Freshly, oh. freshly after his parents got, got uh, murked. Oh, and, interesting. Uh, okay, I didn't understand. So it centers around... Commissioner Gordon. It centers around James Gordon. James Gordon, before he becomes a commissioner. He's just a... He's a street cop. Just a street cop. He's the guy He's the bad boy from the OC. Yeah, he's played by Ben McKenzie. Oh, really? Yeah, who does a really good job. He's very good. He's... Good for him. The, the highlights of the show are Mackenzie playing James Gordon and um, the the Penguin character. Yeah. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. The, the actor's name is Robin Lord Taylor. He plays like the Penguin before he becomes a Penguin. He's kind of like he's like a low man in the underworld. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. he's like That's bullied right, work, and he works working with, for Jada Pinkett. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jada Pinkett's just the character. He's he's really well acted, really intense, yeah. and. It's the most realized the Penguin character will ever be, you know, because he makes it makes it. It's, it's a it's a Penguin's a very comical character. Twenty five episode of episodes of anything is yeah, it's very hard. Yeah. We'll save that conversation when I uh, emotionally defend Lost on one podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right there with you, though. I'll be right you, there. You, with you. you guys and Chris should go on just go on a, just have a Lost episode. Yeah, that may have to happen. Yeah. It'll be Lost the extra, just like a four hour Lost episode. <laughs> because right. I said I only got through three seasons of it. Like I did this week, I just watched. The finale because it just okay. ended, and they tie it up nicely. Okay. It's yeah. the the last two episodes are worth just watching on their own. Oh so yeah, check out. Yeah, right. and the uh, the other thing that I really like about it too is, and we'll move on, is the Selena Kyle character is uh, is really is really good too, and her dynamics. She's, with she's Bruce young Wayne. too. Yeah, she's Bruce Wayne's age, so like their yeah, kids yeah, together, yeah. they got a great that's a great right. uh, relationship. Oh, that's, that that's interesting. Very yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the actress is good, and um, it's it's a good outfit too. Cameron is the actress yeah. in Selena. Yeah, and I I love the Selena Kyle yeah. character through all. The, I think the the Catwoman is probably to me the most fascinating character amongst the yeah. amongst the Batman world for me at least. Just her Batman. It's just, it, every one of these adaptations of the Batman is we're going to get into them. Batman is just fascinated with Catwoman. Yeah. Just, yeah. It doesn't matter which one. It could be Adam West. It could be Michael Keaton. It could be the show Gotham. Like it's just Batman is is all in on that. But all right, so it's we're we're gonna do our rankings here. So this is a hot girl in a tight suit. I, I, Wonder yeah. why. Okay, so here's how we're gonna do this, and we're going to do this rankings style similar to how we did our first fifteen rankings, our first fifteen rankings rankings episode. This is a a style that I got the idea from another podcast, the One Thousand One by One podcast. You can check them out. They're great guys, friends of the podcast. We interact uh, with those guys. They cover movies that are in the book of 1001 movies to see before you die. They okay. do a great, great job of mixing it up and, and picking a good variety of movies. Mm -hmm. Adam and Ian uh, host that mm -hmm. show over there. So definitely check them out. They're 1001 by one. and get them on Twitter. Good guys over there. So the way it'll be is we'll start from the bottom. We'll put our worst Batman up there. If anyone else has it higher, we'll shelve it. And then we'll go to the next. Okay. Oz, yeah, Oz why don't you start? Start off. Last, Clooney. Okay, Oz has Clooney last. I have Does Clooney. anyone have, I have him Clooney? higher? I also Ooh. have him higher. So we have two with Clooney higher. Grant, you have him. I have him. I have last. him last. Yeah. Okay. So we'll hold him there. So Joey, since you don't have Clooney last, as I also don't have him mm -hmm. last, who do you have last? Val Kilmer. Wow. Okay, I have Val Kilmer higher. My last is Ben Affleck. Batfleck wow. as well. So we're, we're not ready to have a conversation. Move to second to last. Oz, who's second right. to last? Kilmer. 
You have him yeah, second to Kilmer. Kilmer. I have Kilmer higher, but I have Clooney here. Mm-hmm. I have Clooney here as well. Right, so let's, let's, let's talk, talk about, about old bat nips. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into specifically Clooney, I, I know it's hard to separate the movie from the actor mm-hmm. and the portrayal. Sure. But that movie was so bad. That it was made in 1997, and they had to wait eight years to do another one and start all over. That's how bad that movie is, yeah, and I just bad. can't put George Clooney anywhere I just, last. George Clooney was just George Clooney as Bruce Wayne. He was there was none of the anxiety it's, you want to see out of Bruce Wayne. He was just super charming guy. It was most charming guy in the room. He, I think he was the worst Bruce Wayne. That's it, right. It was. That's right. It was the. Um, they tried to go for like an Adam West thing. I feel like they went super campy with with Batman and Robin. And it just fell flat on its face, and yeah, just Clooney, it just wasn't wasn't compelling. Wasn't, yeah, you know, so, as, you know, so Clooney is a brutal Batman, and he's the one that he he sank the franchise. I mean, let's be yeah, completely just honest. like Greg I said. Yeah, it, yeah, they wouldn't. No one would touch it. It was you know even to the point when Christopher Nolan was yeah. coming out, these people were like, oh, "We're doing the Batman's yeah. again." Forget that. Right. Yeah. Like Christian Bale yeah. was getting. Shit I had on. to drag my dad to the movie theater to see it. I had already seen it. I'm like dragging. He's like, he's like, I don't know. Uh, no, no. Oh, see the new Christopher oh, Nolan one. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, ah, I don't know. That's like a cartoony right. thing. I'm People not like, like, no, the... no, no, no. Batman Begins is good, but, but like, yeah. but yeah. So I mean, listen, he sank, he sank the, the franchise, and I'll save. I guess why I don't have him last for when we get to to old Batflack. But Batnips is tough. Yeah. Batnips is tough. tough. Um, I'll say they were just following off a model that was already put together. Yeah, it, through was, it the, was a continu- continuation of the, like the neon glow, right? Laser Kingdom, yeah, the right. Schumacher world that they were thing. doing with yeah. it. Yeah. So that's where it's hard to separate the Clooney from the movie. I just think his but Bruce Wayne was so bad. It doesn't work. And the, the Batman wasn't good. The casting so is very let, schlocky to begin with. They're just let's, let's plug let's plug in all the '90s popular people, which is yeah. what they did. And they did in the first Shoemaker one, where you can throw in Jim Carrey, throw in Tommy Lee Jones, throw in Val Kilmer, all these early '90s pop popular people. But now you're just doing it again. There's nothing behind it. The, to me, the only redeeming quality of that movie is is the Arnold one-liners. Yeah, you know, Mister Freeze. If, <laughs> yeah, you know, if you if you want to throw it out there for. Well, me. I mean, there's there's the one where you just. <laughs> He just goes, all right, everyone, chill. <laughs> I actually like that part of the movie. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, I mean it's, it's, you got those, he's just a walking one-liner. Right. Uma Thurman looks great. Yeah. Yes. You can you can get the whole movie through a YouTube clip of all of Arnold's one-liners in it. And that's that's, like, but that's, that's the I most. still have him second to last. So. Okay, so we're up to number four out of six now. Right. All right, okay. so number four. Okay. I Affleck. You have Affleck four. I have Meyer. I have Affleck higher. higher. Joey has this. This is going to be good. I have Val Kilmer at four. Okay. So let's talk Kilmer. I've Adam West at four. Okay. So why don't I defend Kilmer? I'll defend Kilmer because you guys all had him. Really? I have him last. Well, you have him at four. I have him last. Joey R., you got him at sixth. I have him at fifth. Me and Grant are at the fifth. So have at it. Okay. So I think a lot of the things that we talked about with Clooney and why the movie can't help but hold hold against him, mm-hmm. I think that the movie helps Kilmer. Okay. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, maybe there's some nostalgia in there. I mean, there's absolutely some nostalgia 100%. in there. Yeah. But there is a little bit of a mystique around that movie. They started something a little more colorful, a little more new from the Burton ones. Kilmer was an early 90s star. Mm-hmm. Coming into this, he made sense for that role. Sure. Mm-hmm. I dug his vibe with Nicole Kidman. 
he isn't a good Batman. I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying he's a great one, but I thought that that movie's just had it. Just had a vibe to it. Whether it's the soundtrack or or the soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. One of my favorite U2 yeah. songs. Seal. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite U2 songs. I would agree. I would agree. It's, it's such a YouTube. great U2 song. It's dark U2. But when yeah. do you get that? It's you know. Get yeah. That. And really that was soundtrack. really good. Yeah. Dark U2. Yeah. You got me. Kiss from a Rose. Yeah. Is a yeah. Billboard number one. But it, those two songs when that movie came out were like on the radio all the time. Couldn't avoid them. Huge. We had Jim Carrey coming off of his crazy stretch. Pink hair. Yeah. Tommy Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. They're great. With Oscar. Yeah. Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore's in there, yeah. and it's just you know, and Nicole Kidman. It's 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 a star-studded movie. It was okay. Burton's not doing the Batman's anymore. Let's just stick those ninety pop culture guys in there. Yeah. We'll whip a script together, and it even it got a cinematography Oscar nominee. Really? At the at the Academy Awards. Yeah, best cinematography. Was it Dean Cundey? <laughs> I'll have to double check that one, but I I don't think it's as I don't think it's as good as I don't think it's as good of a movie as I remember because of nostalgia factor. But yeah. I don't think it's as bad as everyone thinks. And I, I think, don't think I don't think it's bad. I, I don't think I, the movie's bad. I think he is trash. When, I, you, when you stack it to everything else, yeah. I think he's I think Val Kilmer's batting sixth in the movie, and he's just he's doing his best to move the runners over, driving in the runs. He's within the system. Yeah, yeah, and I, he works. Whereas the the other team is just not putting any runs on the scoreboard. You convinced me. I'm, sw- I'm switching him. I'm <laughs> he's going four from mine. Look at that. Look at he's, that. He's now four on my right. I'm still well, keeping him aggressively last because I think. <laughs> Like you said, he yeah. came in as a good actor, and then he forgot he was supposed to have personality in this movie. <laughs> and instead, he was just flat and did what, nothing. What Isn't that kind of his thing, though? was the last time you saw this? What? was the last time you saw Batman Forever? Within the year. Okay. Why? I guess I, 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 I thought it would be sooner, actually. You yeah, know, within the year. And <laughs> like this, yesterday. The scene, the scene when they're at the party when... Um, Jim Carrey's character is getting, you know, the, the device and he stops dancing with and he breaks in the dance with Nicole Kidman and he mm. goes and he sneaks into the thing and falls yeah. in the trap with Drew Barrymore. It's a great scene. Go on. With no acting. <laughs> everyone else was very good. Yeah, and the problem. He's just walking around just in his head. He's just like, all right, I'm making a lot of money from this. I am going to put in negative amounts of effort. He is so flat against all, like you said, all this color, all this really Really good bad guys. Other big, there's all this active and energy going on, and then he is just a nothingness in the middle of it. I think and I love Val Kilmer. I think you're overrating this movie <laughs> compared to. I don't think it's very good. I'm very yeah. much on what Kieran said, but as it like, I really liked it as a kid. But like rewatching, like he's very nothing in it. He's just a, any human listen, being could have been there. Listen, he's my number five. I'm not saying I, think, I, 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 I think don't want to defend Val Gilbert. Isn't that kind of his shtick? Is it like Hollywood kind of missed on him to begin with? Like they yeah, thought that he was going to be this great I, big I will thing. Say this, he's he's kind of like he's great in MacGruber. <laughs> <laughs> right after yeah. after the ocean washed him up down the beach somewhere. Yeah, but at least in other movies, he has personality and he puts effort in. It just felt like there was zero effort in here. Like at least Clooney, who I ranked a little bit higher, at least Clooney. Tried. I don't think he's good, but I think he tried. That movie's just—it's so neon. It's like, so neon. It's very colorful. I mean, just the end. It's just like I don't know what color green that is, but it's the brightest green on earth. We don't have to spend much time ranking the Banes either. Oh my god! <laughs> I would say oh. I would say that one's a squash match. <laughs> <laughs> four. My, okay, Grant. So who did you have four? My four is Adam West. Mine as well. Okay, I uh, have him higher. So do I. Okay. I have him higher. Okay. So we're ready to move on to three. Adam West. Okay. Adam West. I also have Adam West three. So okay. we're, we're up to Adam West now. Okay. 
Why? Where correct? did you have Adam West? Yeah. Four. Okay. Then you had him at four too. All right. Okay. So, so what? Why don't you? As you want to lead it off. It, look, it's goofy. It's campy. Mm-hmm. But it's just the classic Batman. Oh, um, it's, it's supposed to be all those things, and he's just very yes. good at it. I mean, if you're looking for him to be this like brooding, uh, <laughs> you know. Batman no, in Gotham no, City, no. that's but not it. it. But he's, it's, he's a detective. It's, he's it's a detective really, Batman. It really, he really nails what he sets out to do. Yeah. And, and I think yeah. he, he does such a good job of playing off all the different villains. Yeah. He, he, like, it's, it's, it's really just good fun. Like, there's, no, there's nothing objectionable. It's just, it's a very different thing than everything we're used to. The, I, watch, I watch the reruns all the time on IFC. Me too, Me too. all the time. It's always a good time. Yep, you're never going to be upset. No. Some of the bad guys are hysterical. The 60-year-old woman... Who with the button that could freeze your brain is that's like a hysterical bad guy that he's fighting. It's like just that. it's the, such the polar opposite of the Christian Bale Batman that it, that is good. You know, it's, yeah. it's just very it's a, it's opposite. Yeah. I want to start by saying this, and I'm already gonna get myself into trouble here. <laughs> I don't find old comedies funny. I don't think comedy ages really all that well mm-hmm. in general. And when I say that, I don't I don't mean like comedy within movies. I mean movies that are set out to be comedies. Right, you know, a lot sure. of the Mel Brooks stuff. Like, I, I'm, I'm sure it was really funny. Even the Monty Python stuff. I'm sure everyone loved it when it came. It just to, to me, today I look at it and I'm just, I'm not laughing. I'm sorry. I might smile. Okay. I might look at it and I disagree just, with Mel and, Brooks, but okay. Yeah, oh, no, and and, yeah. and and most people do. That's an unpopular statement. Yeah. I'm not laughing out loud at this stuff. Okay. I watched the 1966 Batman this week, and I laughed my ass off. It's a lot of entire movie. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It was. I was stunned at how much I liked it. Yeah. It is so smart and ridiculously sarcastic. Like, yeah. Oh, so sarcastic. Like, yeah. Like I, I consider myself pretty sarcastic. Like I was like, wow, yeah. that, you think that's you, like. I remember watching this as a grown up. Like, I didn't think they had like the sensibility in the sixties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Totally. Like, it's just like totally. Yeah. They're the, they're just I agree. They're inside joking mm-hmm. on top of inside joking. The alliteration. You know, I I hate the Robin character in general. In all in the in the existence, there's of a funny Batman, story about the Robin in the Adam like, West though. Batman is best without Robin. Batman doesn't need Robin. Robin in these movies is just fire on screen. Like <laughs> yes. it is just pure comedy. Like yeah. what? Like he's just yeah. making fun of himself. Yeah. The the Burt Ward, I think. Yeah. Is Burt Ward, Incredible! The villains are ridiculous, absurd, yeah, and it just keeps going, going, going. Like it doesn't let up. It's just good fun for the whole time. And again, I love Catwoman. And this Catwoman is in all of these entities. Well, Catwoman, is always my there's favorite. A, there's, a, there's two different Catwomen. Mm-hmm. Catwomen's. Okay, I was thinking. About oh that God! Doing it too. <laughs> yeah, it, it just was really funny. The alliteration shtick, the whole the dehydration, rehydration yeah. of the of, uh, just, just the pirates him, just running around. Just, just him just, running around the bomb. He's like, sometimes there's no good place to put a bomb. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, it's great stuff. It's I loved fantastic. it. Fantastic. Yeah, the it. shark repellent. Great stuff. Uh, the, it almost, <laughs> hanging yeah. with the shark on top. The, the show almost feels like like Bruce Wayne is like this eccentric billionaire. And he just wants to play superhero. He wants to be a detective. You know, like, it's like all the town, everyone gathers there's like, all right, well, he's paying all of us. So let's just go along with this. <laughs> and and they like, all get to be a yeah, bad guy one yeah, week. And like, and, uh, Adam West is just so um, good. Yeah. He totally owns it. Yes, it's the exact opposite of yeah. what Christian Bale okay. and, and yeah. Christopher Nolan Which is good. To we need that. Yeah, totally. And I could not separate the Family Guy voice, though. I just kept picturing Mayor Adam West yeah. throughout the whole thing. Unfortunately, that's been ingrained. Dig him! Uh, and it is funny, though, when I put it on, 
like when they were in the submarine, I'm like, I got flashbacks to being a little kid again. I'm like, I right. definitely watched this as a little kid. Yeah, which is awesome. But yeah, so he's in there for number three for me. He gets he gets my my bronze right. medal in, in, yep. in the Batman world. All right. uh, Did the, anyone have him higher? I think no, three no, was no, the no, highest. Okay. Yeah. yeah, two of us oh, had four, him at three. three. Okay. So we have to okay. do Joey and I's three. Number three. Which, yeah. uh, mine is Affleck. Oh boy. Okay, you have Affleck three. I have him higher. Okay. <laughs> wow. This is gonna be interesting. This is gonna be a good. This is gonna I be. I think a we need one. to take a break before this fight. <laughs> so what do you have as three? We're well. I have Keaton as three. Okay. okay. You have Keaton three. Behind. Yeah. I have Keaton okay. higher. Obviously. I have Keaton higher. Yeah. I have Keaton higher as well. We're All right. On so two. our number twos. Yeah. Right, that's where I have Keaton. I have no, I have Keaton at number two. I also have him at number two. Okay. So I think who's, it's who's your number two, Grant? Affleck. Okay. We're not going full stream. All right, so we're going to talk. Talk Affleck first. Mm. All right, so I had him last. Yeah. Oz, you had him last. I had him, well, Third I had him fourth, last. and then you might have convinced me to split him and Val Kilmer. <laughs> okay, I think what's it's best to have the positive approach first. So why why did you rank him two? Um, and Joey I had, had a three. three. Yeah, yeah. Okay, see, so we had I feel like this is the best characterization of a Bruce Wayne in any movie. There are obviously there are problems with. Well, we're separating from the movie. We're not we're, well, as we, best we, as we can. But I, yeah, because within we have, the movie, we have to restore right. Percent. But the movies aren't good. Yeah, it's almost like the guy, the director three hundred wrote bat, wrote a Batman character, <laughs> and that's kind of exactly what that's exactly what it is. There's just this way he carries the character, and I feel like the things he does is, um, I think it's just kind of perfect Batman. I think what what hinders him a lot for me is that he doesn't have his own movie. He doesn't have his own movie, uh, which which hurts. And uh, but I, I just I just think he's just he looks he looks the part. He's a great grizzled like mm-hmm. old. He's been doing this for twenty years, so it's a different take on the bat. It's a different take on Batman. He's been through a lot of shit. It's it's hard because he's not like fighting a Gotham villain. He's fighting Superman in this movie. And he's like, so it's it's a little, it's hard to compare, like, storyline, because it's just, he's fighting another hero in this. Uh-huh. I don't know, what, what do you think? Yeah, so for me, uh, the age thing was huge, because we're so used to kind of the story of Batman kind of becoming, where he's older, and now he's he's a more vulnerable Batman, so he's realizing he's, like, trying to build around him and get things in. Yeah. Um, I think his Bruce Wayne is excellent. Yeah. Um, I think it, I think it has that anxiety and kind of distance that I really want. And but I also I think he's a believable kind of dickhead billionaire. Yeah. Um. And, but you, but, but he also has like this humanity to him. Like, right. The, I will say this: one of my favorite Batman moments ever is the opening scene of Dawn of Justice, mm-hmm. where he's just Bruce Wayne running into the smoke right. of a collapsing building. Like, I think saving, that says so much. Right. Lives. It just says so much about Bruce Wayne as a person. Right. And why Batman makes so much sense for him. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I think it's just, you know, he's kind of learned different things and he's, and he's willing to get into different stuff while also trying to bring people together. And I just think he's a very, I think he's smart. Um, I think the movies are, are, are bad. Yeah. I think he suffers the most from just having a bad movie around him. Yeah. And I, I think where like um, Wonder Woman really shines in those, I, I, I think he's really good as mm-hmm. Batman and I think he's excellent as Bruce Wayne. Okay. Let's ring the bell here. These movies are hot garbage. Hot garbage. They are. I mean, it, it, uh, I, this is a three-hour disaster piece. That, that you I, hated before you saw. Through. Sure, I did and hated it more after I watched it. It is cookie-cutter casting with Ben Affleck. I'm not saying that, that Affleck didn't go in there 
and do a decent job. And no one's going to sit here and say that they don't, they can't envision him as a Bruce Wayne. Of course, he's a type of just like you could envision George Clooney as Bruce Wayne. He's got the he's got even the grizzled thing. It's an interesting idea that okay, he's a he's a a, a broken Bruce Wayne, or he's he's a, what did you say, a seasoned mm. Batman? Or but here's the problem: is is that Zack Snyder is stepping in and deciding that he's going to try to create his own MCU and. Okay, we have a, a seasoned Batman. Yeah, but you're also taking from every one of the other Batmans that already exist, and you're just piecemealing them in together and using that in your new universe. No one needed this. No one asked for this. You're trying to do what I brought up in the very beginning of this podcast is connect movies together to make this grand money-making scheme. So you're, you're more mad at Zack Snyder than you are at Ben Affleck. Right. I, your, your, I, ar- your argument here is an anti-Zack Snyder argument and an anti-cinematic universe argument right. so, over at Ben Affleck argument. Because, you're being unfair. Okay, yeah. so okay, so I'll, I'll just respond to something that I said earlier in, in the podcast in saying that I didn't attach the Batman movies to why I didn't like the MCU movies because I thought that the Burton movies had an artistic approach to them. I thought the Nolan movies had an artistic approach to them. I thought the Adam West movies... Right. Had an artistic sure. approach to them. The MCU had a financial approach to it, as did this. And Ben Affleck was a financial acquisition for them. He's a fine actor, yeah, and he's a director that, himself. That doesn't, mean he, that doesn't mean he's a bad Batman. Right. Well, I, I thought he was ineffective on screen because of it. Because he came in as the, if you're going to be drafting a fantasy team, probably the obvious choice. After he's already won an Oscar for the making whole, a movie himself, like it, do you remember when he was cast? The internet like broke at how pissed they were because how unobvious it was. Yeah, it was I there. think I you were like, ready to hate this from day one. I was, but that doesn't mean that mm-hmm. if I liked it, if I liked it, I'll tell you what, I wasn't ready to like the Chris Nolan, Chris Nolan Batman's. I I had to have but, someone. But this is before you got really jaded right. with the MCU. So let yeah, me ask you a question, though. Probably. So Michael Keaton's coming back as Batman to be in the Flash, which is within this whole world. Is that true? Yes. yes. Does this hurt? How then Sweet. shouldn't he then be lower? Because now he's getting into the same thing you're giving uh, Affleck shit. Or well, let's, see how, let's see how he does. Maybe, maybe if Keaton comes back, he's signed. This is happening. If he comes back and bombs, it will absolutely affect his record. But if he comes back and does, but would you say Ben Affleck bombed? Right. I say that the movie bombed, That's and it's going up. Yeah, but, but this is we, we, we'll, we'll, we're talking about the actor. Clooney, all well, that worked against Clooney. Yeah, but, but we all think that Clooney did a bad job. Right. Yeah. But like, okay. We talked. Hold on. Go, go. We talked. We because this is why I asked very early on when we talked about the Batman rankings, and I said, "How much of the movie are we holding against Batman?" Because mm-hmm. I knew this was going to be an issue. Right. Because the movie, the movie's trash. The movie's a mess. No one's it's arguing goddamn, that part. It's a goddamn mess. But I think his betrayal is the by by and large the best part of the movie. It elevates the movie, in my opinion. It's the only thing his that makes it watchable. His portrayal is Bruce Wayne. And Batman. Okay, so now I'm going to get to my next part of it. For me, Batman isn't walking around looking like a defensive linebacker. I'm sorry, he's not. It's just a for me. comic you're He's not shooting pistols. That, That's not Batman for me. The, so, well, that was in the dream sequence when he was shooting all so, the pistols. Still, okay. I'm still sitting here looking at it. Okay. All right. And, okay, am I holding this against Zack Snyder? You bet your ass I am because he's got him walking around like a linebacker sure. and he's got him shooting pistols. So that, that's to me, yeah. that's not when I sit down to look at Batman. And, Joey, did I sit down expecting to dislike it? Yes. Was I hate watching it? Yes. Yes. I was on the text chain. Hundred <laughs> percent. Okay. A few minutes in, it was 
But did I want to be entertained? Sure. I don't I know that you did from talking to you I about it. I wanted to be, but I wasn't. I wasn't. And, and I don't think you were prepared only, to only, be. Only you know how open your mind was going into this. We can only we can I'll say in the... I'll say in the... This, this. Is like, oh, this is like already well, hate watching uh, Gangs in New York. He <laughs> watched the first scene and he immediately checked right, out. But I will give it this. Because I thought the best hour of that three hour movie. It's too long. Is the second hour. And I'll tell you this again. I don't like Superman. I don't. I think Superman is a stupid character. Yeah. And it's not I, interesting to me. I, if you, I agree with you. Don't disagree like, with you at all. If you like Superman. He's boring. God love you. No, I, you, you can have your Superman stories. It's super uninteresting and deep and shallow. Aliens flying around with big S's on their chests. This is the stuff for me. Yeah. Agreed. I thought the Superman stuff was the most compelling part of that movie. Okay. I, I actually liked, compared to the rest of it, the middle part of that, the second act where, where he's kind of... You know, struggling with himself, and I thought Amy Adams is very good in it. Yeah, she's good. She's That's great. the only positive thing good. I'm really going to say of the movie. <laughs> but then, <laughs> what Jesse if Eisenberg? Oh, oh yeah, all right, good. terrible Lex Luthor. But then, what about? I think Affleck was suffering from trying to play Christian Bale playing Batman. I I disagree. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I do. Agree. I feel like I feel like it's a different. I feel yeah. like it's a different I think it's vibe. a full. Yeah. I I got nothing but Christian Bale would never put a team together. Yeah, right, but he's but talking he's, about his, like, like No, I know, but I... I this, like, I don't sad, I, I don't see brooding... But that's... That's Batman. But that's Batman. That's, I mean, so you can say Christian Bale took from Michael Keaton. Right. I don't yeah, think but, Christian Bale took from no, Michael but, like, Keaton. No, what, but what I mean is, like, this whole dark Batman started in 89, mm. right. and then Christopher, or, or, Christopher so let me, Nolan... Let me... You have him, you have him two? Affleck. You have Affleck two? Yeah. And you have three. Affleck three. So let me ask you guys this, because that's both high. That's, I'll, I'll put you in the same boat with that. Sure. Both yeah, question. What did Ben Affleck add to the Batman character on the big screen? What did he what did he add to the to to the audience's perception of Batman on the big screen? I just think it was a different version of it. I think it was a version of Batman that people haven't seen yet. And like I feel like the big bruiser version of Batman is something that really hasn't been shown before. Like like the Bale Batman is a is is a black, ninja. Is a ninja, yeah. and this this guy is just he's he's a bruiser, and I feel like it's a he's a way more he's a way more unhinged, brutal Batman to the point where I kind of hate that he is he kills people. People die in this movie because of him, but so does Keaton, and and I the the older version of Batman I think brings it a whole. Brings up to a whole yeah. new level. I really like the older part. That's one of the bigger parts for me. And I, I think and it's I a like, different take on Bruce Wayne. And, and I also love that his his bat voice is because of a module in his suit and not just some some uh, gar some garg of like gravel voice. They explain that well, but you know, if he uh, if, if if the next Batman works out well, which is big. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see, let's see what happens. Potentially. Affleck just gets forgotten as a Batman. I don't. I, I don't agree with that. People be... like I. People as much as I don't like these movies, people love these DC mm. movies. I, do I, they? Yeah, they do well. Right. Huge. Uh, well, it's a, it's a, it's a rabid fan base. I'm glad Zack Snyder's making money. I think he's a hack. You I know, do too. I think, I, think, I, think, I think he is too. Yeah, I love Dawn of the Dead. I love his first movie, but I, I, think, I love Oliver Stone's first movie too. I think, I think, I think, I think Dawn of the Dead's kind of hacky. But it's um, <laughs> it's fun though. <laughs> no, it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's it's Twitter following. Yeah, but, <laughs> the Instagram following is the dangerous Instagram part. Instagram. <laughs> I, will, I will I will say this that Ben Affleck was supposed to get get his own Batman movie. Yeah. Directed by Matt Reeves. Yep. 
I know he's supposed to be, at first it was going to be a Ben Affleck Batman movie directed by Ben Affleck. Yeah, what like, happened? He's going to make his own. I just, I didn't, he didn't want to do it. Well, a lot of it was, he, Ben Affleck takes a lot of the heat for these movies being terrible, like in interviews, he's the one. Well, I don't like, think that's fair. But I think he tries to take it off everybody else because I think Gal Gadot's the one that like really gets all the praise. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think a great Batman would have saved the movie. So I think that plays into yeah. your point. Yeah, that I, also, I, 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 I would, I would really, I would really like to have seen what Ben Affleck could have done with his own movie right. with a competent director. You just I, kind of said exactly what I was going to say. That makes this ranking very difficult because everybody else had their own, uh, had their own, yeah, uh, yeah, movie. The lack of know, solo movie show. is tough, hundred percent. Like this you guys are saying, I think a, that's. But then that next question becomes: Shouldn't this ranking just be a five instead of six? Why did we need? This other Batman here, I just don't think we needed it, you know. And they were trying but to. But it's there. It's, it's, a, it's a reality. This is, wanna... this is your cinematic universe right. argument over Ben Affleck. Right. Batman. Yeah, and I and I think that yes, the, the cards were stacked against him, and it's a little tough for him. But let's move on to, to Keaton. All nostalgia. I mean, I, I, I have I, too much negative to say about him. I, I love those movies. I mean, I know the second one is whatever, but I love them both. I watch them when they're on. I they both make. I think Keaton's just. I think Eden's really good, and I was and I was reading the other day how when he was cast, everybody was so upset about it, and it was like the uproar. So I think that's just a thing. A Batman's cast, everybody's pissed, but man, I think he's just. I think he nails it, and I think him and Nicholson in the first one is just dynamic. It's hard to really hate Keaton as Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, is. I don't know what the argument against it is. Uh, he's a good Batman, yeah. and he's a balances with a being like a charming, yeah. cool yeah. Bruce Wayne. Well, I will say, I will say this: this iteration of Bruce Wayne is kind of weird. Because nobody knows who he is. That's fucking weird. He's yeah. like, you know, like everyone's like, oh, who's this guy? That's Bruce Wayne. That's Bruce Wayne? It's like, you don't know what like the richest man <laughs> right. in Gotham looks like? Yeah. That happens a little too many times. Media back then, you know? <laughs> yeah, but they had everything else. Yeah. No, they had television. I, I, I think he's a good Bruce Wayne where he pull, you know, he's, he's more reserved and pulled back. Well, yeah. I don't want to, if there's any Superman fans listening, I've already upset them enough, but... <laughs> Why does no one know that Clark Kent is Superman? I don't know. Like, it's just a pair of glasses. Like, listen, it, uh, you, you know what? Your glasses, the, I don't not know, you know it's you. Listen, you know what? I, I work in a field where I see a lot of people out of context. Things are different. The amount of times I've seen people in the world, whether they're at, they're working at restaurants or working in stores and have no idea who I am outside of my office. What are they doing? Speeches you know, at the White be, House? And to be fair, his hair, <laughs> no, no, I, his hair, and to be fair, his hair is ported differently. Yeah. So. <laughs> Suspension. Of I think. I think it's, it's another that, this, another thing. This, Superman this just is, doesn't work. This is why Superman doesn't work right. in twenty twenty. Yeah. yeah, I it think it doesn't, doesn't work. It's such, it's such like a hokey character that it just it just can't work anymore. It's too pure. There's no conflict. There's no depth. Well, that's I think. the thing. And, and, then, like, and then like and then making conflict makes it seem really weird. Right. Exactly. On to Keaton again. I'd say it's underdeveloped a little bit. I, I, I suppose they kind of yeah, just. Also, Tim Burton really didn't have a good handle on Batman. See, Christopher Nolan has the best handle on Batman out of anybody. Tim Burton like wasn't a fan of the comics. He had a great handle of Gotham, though. Sure. Which Visually stunning. Really yeah. uh -huh. yes. And the best Batman theme song is by far the Danny Elfman theme song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. but you got Prince doing the soundtrack. There's, there's all the... Well, yeah, there's, there's two sound... There's a Prince soundtrack, and then there's, like, the Danny yeah. Elfman score. It's really yeah, and Prince uh, Prince had the had a Billboard number one led, we led into the podcast with it. Love it. It's got to be one of the most bizarre Billboard number ones but, you'll ever hear. Yeah, it's, but just, it's, it's just a cool movie, and Keaton's good. Uh, yeah. I have nothing bad to say about him. In this. Yeah, the movie clicks, and Keaton really... Well, along with Nicholson, obviously, carries it through, and he's right. great as ball every time he's on the screen. Yeah, he did and, his, his job with Beetlejuice 
leading yeah. into it and, and they yeah. keep in another Burton universe and just exactly. yeah just and honestly the, the nostalgia part isn't what's weighing it down like I've rewatched it in the past few months like it's good it helps it, it helps that he got there first of course sure you know, you know obviously Wes got there first but like in, in this modern era yeah, yeah. And, and, Absolutely. And, and they they hit it out of the park too it's, it helps that it was successful we'll end on Bale and I mean there's I mean listen these movies are I watch them regularly yeah over and over again, they're some of my favorites. It's probably at the end of the day, maybe my favorite trilogy. I can't ever. tell you how many times I've, I've seen those three movies would... over and over and yeah. over. Like if they're on, I watch. And There's yeah. just the Star Wars trilogy. I mentioned the, the original right. one. Yeah. yeah. What can you say? There's yeah, not, there's not much, much you can say. About. The only I mean, complaint is going to be his voice. The voice has been yep. parodied, but yeah. it's at least I mean, Birdman parodies the voice. That's what they're making. That's where the voice comes from. But it's like at least he's trying to distort his voice. Like what is he? But why would the people who know who he is like? I watched Batman Begins recently in, in pre- preparation for this because it's been a while since I've seen Be- Batman Begins. It works so much better in the first movie. Yeah, he does like he's just the voice, the voice, and just like his, it just it just feels more Batman. Yeah, yeah. it just it just it, it, that, that Batman Begins is the best version of Batman yeah. in the Nolan trilogy, in my in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah, I think I feel like that that works out really the best. Yeah, and I mean, I've always said that Batman Begins is my favorite movie in that trilogy. I've always said that. I've, I've argued with the Dark Knight people. I think Dark Knight a, is a great movie. Yeah. And I've always been in the minority of that. And then I heard Quentin Tarantino on a podcast say... Some validation. ...that yeah. that was the best movie of that trilogy. It's nice to know that that... It's nice to hear that. You know, the Batman voice, like, it works... Where were the other drugs going? Like, that, <laughs> it, it works well in the first one because he's actually using it as an interrogation thing. But right, when yeah. he's just like... What he's talking, like just like the Commissioner Gordon right. as Batman, like that's what it feels yeah. like. But like, <laughs> like, he's talking to go to Starbucks or. <laughs> but like he's talking to him. Yeah. When, when he talks to Alfred, who knows who he is, there's no reason to do the voice. Yeah, no, like I, yeah, yeah. That's that. But if that's the only complaint, otherwise oh, I, I think he's fantastic. As the uh, yeah. the trilogy progresses, it falls into. With superhero movies, there's always like a half hour of everyone just like hi-yahing each other. It's like hi-ya, hi-ya, yeah. And there's people fighting, and yeah. that's where the then the voice starts coming in, where he's like punching. Like, yeah. <sighs> and I don't know. I'm gonna throw this hot take out there too. Let me know if you're with me. Katie Holmes is not bad in Batman Begins. No, I don't. Is. She takes a beating in that it, one too. It, it, it makes me like look. I didn't like the recast of it. No, no. And I, 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 I blame yeah. Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, no, no. That's I, legit. That's legit. Yeah, no, I have a, no I, I agree. Katie Holmes, and I would have liked her in the second one. Tell the Tom Cruise story in case someone listening is scratching their head. It's so Tom Cruise is fucking nuts. Fantastic, dedicated. Wait, he wouldn't actor. let her do it, right? Or, but yeah, the Scientology was too big. He pulled her away from it because yeah. whatever his issues with you know big movies, Christian Bale, him, her being more famous than him is probably the ultimate reality mm-hmm. of it. Let me throw this one out here. Just before we get back to, to Birdman and including that, what is your favorite Batman villain portrayal outside of Heath Ledger's? Scarecrow. Wow, Cillian Murphy is Scarecrow. Yeah. Um, uh, probably Nicholson's Joker. Yeah. Yeah. I that's mine. Like that's, it's I between think. those. We should, we should yeah. probably take if we take the Joker out of it. Take the Joker out yeah. altogether. Yeah. yeah. And then it'll be Cillian Murphy. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah. I really like Anne Hathaway's Catwoman a lot. It's hard to call her a villain. Though, but a, a Catwoman's in the, it's in the, she's, in the but it's, she's in the Batman villain bucket though. Yeah, you know. Now let me but, ask you guys this. Yeah. Growing up as a kid, what was your favorite Batman villain? I was always Joker. You liked the Joker yeah. growing up. Yeah, I was. I was always kind of partial to Two Face. You liked Two Face. Yeah, Two Face. I, I think I 
love Jim Carrey's Riddler or what it was. You were Riddler. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, that's peak Jim Carrey right there. The question mark body suit. <laughs> and this, mine is not attached to the movies, but this was the, my favorite the one. Ventriloquist? That's one. <laughs> Man Hatter, that's one. I did, I did like the Man Hatter. No, Killer. Mr. Freeze was always my mm. favorite band. Just, just, just the idea of having a, a, a Freeze Ray. Like, it's, like, it's like, oh, I get to be the villain. All right, I'm Mr. Freeze. You're frozen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Mr. Freeze in the Adam West ones is hysterical because they yeah. didn't have the technology that they had. They're like stumped. <laughs> And they just kind of put like a blue outline. It was just phenomenal. We, we kind of forgot uh, Two Face from Aaron Eckert. Aaron Eckert. It's, it's hard because he's he was Two Face for thirty minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's you know, what's great though? Flipping a coin, it's, it's doing his best no, Anton Chigurh. <laughs> his best will be Anton Chigurh. Anton Chigurh is the best Batman villain. He's not even a Batman. He's the best Batman villain. <laughs> you put it in your pocket. That's your lucky quarter. <laughs> what are we playing for? Everything. <laughs> Call it. Call it. Call it. Okay, so we're back to Birdman here. Finally. After our heated Batman debate. <laughs> Could Ben Affleck have been Birdman? <laughs> Maybe in 20 years. I want to talk a little bit about Anna Stone's character in this. The two big scenes that she's involved in, Joey, you mentioned, was the conversation with her and the fight with her and her father. Right, when they talk about how insignificant he truly is. Yeah, in the, in the dressing room. Which I really love so much. Um... Yeah, you she, don't even have a Twitter. <laughs> and, and she talks about, she talks, she calls him insignificant. She talks about, you know, you're fighting to be relevant again with the Twitter. She tells him how behind the times he is. And that he just, and I, I like that she said, you're not important, just like the rest of us aren't important. She's kind of trying to ground Riggins in her own way. Mm-hmm. And the delivery is pretty, can be pretty brutal. Uh, but I think that just goes in there. And I, it's very brutal, but it's, it's, it's the it's one of the themes of the movie. But I, I think it's really good because it's, you know, this is a destroyed traumatic relationship. Like, this is how two people have never communicated well. This, she, I think her intentions are good. And someone brought it up before when we asked about what he did wrong. Like, you know, they don't, they don't have a good relationship. She's trying to ground him, but she's, she's damaged. He's damaged. Their relationship is damaged. So, of course, it's going to be a damaged way which she approaches him. Well, well, I think a nice touch in, in exemplifying that is in that main monologue that she has where she really rips him. She cuts the promo it's on him. phenomenal. Right after that, dot, 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 dad. You know, she, right. she, she then reconnects the emotionality of the, of, yeah. of the fact that they're family. You know, like, I, I liked that little touch. And that's like little moments like that are what takes a screenplay to the next level. You know, And, and the acting where they both kind of, she says it and he kind of pulls back and he kind of like just kind of nods, doesn't say anything where, and he, and he lets it sit. And you can see on her face that she felt like she crossed the line. Right. And yeah, it just, it comes off as super authentic. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Like it's a real life fight with two people who have a very yeah, damaged he, history. He just, he, all of a sudden, like you just let somebody have and you're like, ooh, I probably should have held back a little right. bit. But she doesn't apologize. Nope. She just says, dad. No. You know, like, this yeah. is like, I'm, I'm your flesh and blood. Give oh, me I mean, she, mean, she means what she says. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and that, but her, know, why, right. why apologize for something that you mean? Yeah. Right. It's, you know, she probably went in a little bit harder than she wanted to. Great great she great understands team. her delivery is not great, but mm-hmm. she stands by it. And I, I respect that conviction in someone. Now, I want to get your guys' thoughts, because this is something that I've kind of wrestled with a little bit. In, in these last couple of days of viewing this, and I'm not really totally sure I have a good grasp of the answer of it. What do you make of the relationship between Sam and Mike Shiner? Their their scenes together are are very dynamic for mm-hmm. sure, 
what do you make of, of the, what is the purpose of their interactions together in here? Where, what do you get out of it? For me, I think it's two people who kind of have a lot of superficial relationships kind of connecting on something different for the first time. And I think that's why the first, the truth or dare scene so good. You know, she says truth is always more interesting. And he's talking about how his truth is only on the stage, not in real life. I think they're both finding something else outside of it where his, her troubled relationship with her dad and his troubled relationship with life in general. Truth or Dare seems great, great, awesome. great, great movie, movie usage of any yeah, truth it's very dare. smart. Um, Cabin in the Woods has got it. Yeah. <laughs> and also dare. another, she yells at somebody, you know, eat, eat me. And he says, jump on my face. And she says, I love this city. I love this city. <laughs> and then you get, there's a lot of foreshadowing of suicide in this movie. Yes, they, yes. They, they a lot. Re- that's right there. It's, no, that's not high enough to... Yep. Right. That's not high there's enough. Early in the book, mm-hmm. he tries to shoot himself mm-hmm. in right. the face and can't even do that. That's right. in the script that yeah. they're working yeah. on. Yeah, well, it's, it's art imitating life, imitating right. art. They connected immediately, too, which... Why do you think that is? Why do you think right away he was like, no longer the, the shiner that was is, fighting with everybody? Could it be, like, the, the, the media, the Riggin as the medium? Like, so yeah. her lack of Riggin in her life and Riggin's admiration for... For Shiner, maybe they're like, yeah. there's she's attracted to him because it's what her dad is. Like Shiner kind of was attracted to her initially to try to kind of get at Riggins. And yeah, then when they there. connected, it, I, I think if that was the case, he wouldn't have talked about his erectile dysfunction. Right. Well, there, I think he just showed it to the world. There's there's something that. There's an intimacy, right? Right. There's there's lack of intimacy there. I feel like, I don't know if this is, it was during the first or second rooftop conversation where he says. He wanted to take her eyes, put them in his skull to see the city for the first time. Mm-hmm. There's something about how, inex- even though she's been through rehab, she's been through a lot in her life. <laughs> You've been to rehab? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's this, there's this, almost this babe in the woods quality to her. And the eyes, really. That, yeah. that I feel like he's, he's gravitated towards. And I think his kind of, his pursuit, right? When we talk about themes again, his pursuit is kind of like this pursuit of like truth and kind of a higher knowledge, right? And she's someone who's been through a very different experience than he's been. Sure. Where, you know, she had, she had whatever kind of opportunities because of who her dad was. And she's just as broken a person as him who had a different path. Yeah. Great casting again with Emma Stone. She brought Joey. Brought the eyes. Like the eyes make the, her eyes are a character in this movie. Hundred percent. You know, it, and the other people they were talking about would not, not work. They don't work. Margot Robbie and yeah, um, I love her, but uh, she doesn't work. This Ryan is Reynolds' wife, like lively, yeah. like lively. This is Emma Stone's role. No, yeah. Emma Stone nailed it. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't imagine anyone else as her. No, as her. but is this Without. where I get to talk about La La Land for forty five minutes? Yeah. Or nope. That's <laughs> The Moonlight Podcast. They don't. <laughs> they don't need to spoon feed you that there's issues between Sam and Riggins because Emma Stone just doesn't right so perfectly. And that's, that way. Exactly, and that's why this movie's so smart with all these quick cuts. They we know more than we think. I bet you. Speaking of La La Land, Joe, I bet you this movie probably was her audition for La La Land. You got to think Damien Ch- Damien Chazelle, who directed Whiplash, mm-hmm. loses to. To this movie, mm-hmm. then goes on to put La La Land together, cast Emma Stone, Emma Stone wins the Oscar for yeah. that. There probably, there is a lot of relation oh, I'm there. Sure. You know? hmm. We're coming down the home stretch of the old third act here. I, I want to call it, uh, attention to scene. This is where my quote is. Uh, as you mentioned, or you mentioned this quote earlier, actually, but I have it in its entirety here. This is the scene between Reagan and his ex-wife. Ex-wife, who we know from The Wire, 
and the, the office. And the office. Yeah. Holly in the office. Yeah. Amy Ryan. Yeah. And, and uh, Oscar nominated for Gone Baby Gone. Is she was she was nominated for for Gone Baby Gone. Yeah, best supporting wow. actress. She was great in that movie. Oh yeah, she really really good movie. character actress. <laughs> she's she's really good in um. Beautiful Boy with Steve, her and Steve Carell. Oh, and Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, and Kieran's favorite, Timothy Chalamet, is a drug addict. And <laughs> I'm not gonna. You didn't get me blocked from the internet. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. This is the greatest. This is the greatest sense of things Kieran. Oh no! <laughs> now we're gonna talk about Green Room next. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God, get them all out there now. Give Amy Ryan her too. Yeah, she's, she's good she's for she's her three scenes. She's she kills it. And yeah. hey, I mean, this is. Probably one of our few times to talk about The Wire here yes. and her role in that. And she's a big a big proponent in season two. And then it comes back in the, in the end four, of the uh, Four and four yeah, and five, five, she's there, yeah. Five. But <laughs> behind the scenes here, uh, Oz, you were nervous about instead of saying Adam West, saying Dominic West. Yeah. Be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good so far. Dominic West already made his one appearance in, in BPC with Chicago. And he's the uh, the sad sap that gets uh, shot. I mean, we still have some. We still have some recasting to do. Oh, okay, oh, that's shit. right. That's, as always, as always. Yeah. So that quote with him and his wife that I wanted to bring up. It's the Clooney quote. Oh yeah. Plenty of Clooney talk today, but we'll do it here. So the last time I flew here from L.A., George Clooney was sitting two seats in front of me, with those cufflinks and that ridiculous chin. We ended up flying through a really bad storm. The plane started to rattle and shake, and everyone on board was crying and praying. And I just sat there, sat there thinking that when Sam opened the paper, it was going to be Clooney's face on the front page, not mine. Did you know that Farrah Fawcett died the same day as Michael Jackson? You know, can you do that again as Christian Bale's bat? <laughs> <laughs> Farrah Fawcett died the same day as Michael Jackson. George Clooney with his cufflinks is perfect, sure. But for someone so focused on love, so focused on legacy, someone yeah. so focused on kind of the perception of them and how aware in the most almost depressing sense of celebrity, you know, the tears of celebrity. I think it was, it was a great very, very self-realized. Yeah. And it, it yeah. mentions Sam, but that's the point of the quote, which is kind of his whole right. deal. It's, yeah. She's if there. The Sam is just cares. anybody's. If he Sam was telling that there. story... To Mike, it would have been, you open the paper the next day. Yeah, right. It's because it was the ex-wife, it was yep. Sam. George Clooney in there, he's just, he's got to pick a guy who's ahead of him right. on the food chain. Yep. He's got to, it's just. It has to be an A-lister. Yeah, yeah, he's just trapped he can't, he can't in say world. He can't say Dustin Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so rolling into kind of the third act here, and this is a scene that a few of you guys have teased a little bit. I feel like there's big opinions going around. So we're going to talk about a scene in the bar with... Tabitha. Um, mm. We'll kind of discuss both of those scenes with it as one. Uh, the first scene being Edward Norton and, and Michael Keaton. There, you know, Edward Norton kind of introducing her, and then Edward, Edward Norton's interaction with her about, right. mm -hmm. you know, will you ever those, write a bad those, review? Those who can't, if those I, who can't act, critique. And, yeah, yeah. Th those who can't be soldiers become informers. Right. Yeah, and yeah, then he ultimately confronts her with that. So, what were the uh, initial takes here that you guys want to throw out there? So the Although the character's in it for a very short period of time, the Tabitha Dickens essentially drives this whole plot. She's important from the start. It's all she wholly cares about from the start yeah. is this re review from uh, Tabitha. For, for being in two scenes, three if you count the walkout at the, uh, at the end of the opening night play. Which mm -hmm. I would. Yeah. yeah. So, because that's a very important piece. Right. Um, that feeds everything. That with her quote at the end, you can kind of put yeah. those two together. Yeah. Integral. Mm -hmm. It is just... It, 
yeah, what she, what she what she brings to the table is is like this driving force, like Craig, like Oz said. So I I think I I really love the way Reagan goes at her. Right, he says, you know, this play cost me everything. The review cost you nothing, and it's yeah. so much of how much weighted. And um, she says, you know, you're no actor, you're a celebrity. And I, I think it's so interesting, because, you know, she kind of understands the power she has in this world of plays where, you know, she's attacking kind of the vapidness of, you know, big movies when, you know, it's all on her. There's no more, there's no real opinion. It's her opinion. Everyone's just going to do just, what she it's says. Just, it's just her describing things. Right. She's so I love yeah. that scene. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. He's just describing things. There's nothing here about structure right. or anything like that. She's I love so that. important in this world that... Just label things. Sorry. No, it's okay. I love it. She's so important in this world that her interaction with Shiner and Shiner steals the idea that... Riggin had to do this play causes that awesome fight they have outside the tanning bed. Yeah. That's how sensitive. Uh, Put on your fucking you know, suit. It is. <laughs> yeah. So the, the it's just really driving. She drives conflict. Everything with with this one. Yeah. The character's barely there. In in the so the way it was originally written, um, she was going to call over another play actor to do Macbeth, right? But instead, he leaves his napkin. His motive. He le- literally leaves his motivation on a bar with oh, the cash. Napkin. Oh, the heart, the napkin breaks my heart. Yeah. his yeah. whole motivation. Then he goes. He gets. He gets the pint of whiskey, right? And then the homeless man is just scream. Is is over, right? And then he stops. Looks at him. He goes, "Too much." That was repl- he was doing Macbeth. Love, love the homeless guy. Yeah. So he was replacing the actor. Like he was showing like kind of yeah. the over the topness of it. Um, that what he says. I'm just trying to show you range. Is a callback to the beginning before the guy gets hit in the head with the with the light. Fucking Ralph. Because. Because he was like, you know, doing it. we were fugitives. So right. yeah. like, I'm just trying to give you a range. Yeah, he says the exact same thing to mm-hmm. him yeah. as the homeless guy does. Yeah, and then if you, because I watched the, my second watching, my second watching, I watched with subtitles and and I don't obviously I'm not going to recite the Macbeth passage, but it was about like Brendan B just went, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brendan. Uh, no, he I, read yeah. Macbeth again for this, Grant. I Respect mean, the effort. Preparedness. Uh, no, but it's just about like, just death is coming tomorrow and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's just basically, it's whatever happens tomorrow is going to happen to Riggin and he's either going to live or die. So Keaton's acting in this is really, really superb. Top notch. I think it, it kind of took a, a step, it took a little bit of a hit after this one best picture and everything. I think it was... This was like, as it was like leading into this, this was like the Michael Keaton movie where Michael Keaton's going to be at the Oscars and win an Oscar. Yeah. And then he didn't win and everyone was super disappointed. And then I think like the narrative later on went like, okay, you know, he wasn't that good. He really shouldn't have won. I, because then all the, the Jake so, Gyllenhaal people popped in. You know, how can he not be nominated? He's, so, he's, he's excellent so in this, this for movie. so many reasons. And, and the scene that I want to call attention to is the one where... He's smacking the paper in front of Tabitha, and he's getting just physical enough with her mm-hmm. to make the, the audience incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. But not to the point where it's like really a movie, you know, where right. it's, it's, you could see it, you could see yourself sitting in a bar a and less, watching someone do it and be like, oh, is the bouncer going to get involved? Or what? A lesser director would have had him like smack her. Right, right. Yeah. But his best moments in this movie are where he's super subdued yeah. and. I think when he talks to Naomi Watson, he goes, you're beautiful, yeah. you're essential, yeah. whatever he says to her. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite. You're beautiful, and I appreciate having you here. He Which shows is, us range, quote-unquote, yeah. sorry to say. Right. But it, His interactions with Zach Galifianakis works really well, too. Because it's... it's that most, feels like the real friend, the, the real yeah, relationship. The most, the most real. The most real. Yeah. 
And it kind of, it, it goes from everywhere to him trying to, he's like, you know, I think I might want to, I can't do the preview tonight. And he's like, well, Martin Scorsese is going to be here. Yeah. He's looking for a new movie. And I think they do a good job showing he, he's not a bad guy, Regan. He just, no, he's just so obsessed with, he's desperate. He's not, obsessed. Obsessed. he's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's he just very singular he was, focused. He wasn't, he wasn't a good family man. Right. And you could even see that with his interactions with Laura too. Just the intimacy of of everything, where he just he's, he's so he's so fixated on this play that everything else, like personal, kind of falls to the wayside. He's not the best friend to no. the manager, though. He's really kind of no. he's not the best employer to or or director where he's he, he can't communicate with the guy who he hired to do the acting job. He doesn't think he's that great. At, He's really just self-consumed. He's just he is into himself. And yeah, that's right. his deal. And that's why the, doesn't make him a bad guy, mm-hmm. but he doesn't make him a very good guy either. But that's why I think the conversation with Sam when she's like, "You're you're not important." Like it's so impactful because you know this is his chance. This is every he put everything into it. He's going to refinance the Malibu home, which is her, which is supposed to yeah, be Sam's house, yeah. right? It's right. every decision is taking away for him. To kind of put this because this will be the thing that makes him big again, which then he could buy five Malibu houses if he wants. You know, it, it's it's all about I, the next I step. Personally, would let the daughter stand on her feet a little bit, at distance some time between her and rehab. Well, it's going to be. It's going to be. He's not a great guy. He's not a bad guy, though. I think <laughs> just saying, the play might be a better investment than the. Twenty-year-old right. daughter who just got out of rehab. We, we're talking about a house here, you know, right? But. Okay, this is where the movie now. This is where I consider kind of the. This is the end. Yeah. You know, this is and this is where the interpretations come in. I kind of think that we are going to have four different takes on what this ending's about and what it means. I have three versions of what it can mean, and I've I have a few out. too. Yeah. I also have yeah. a few too. But we have him here. He's he's passed out. There's the keeping the long take involved. Which, very cool shot of. Just up, staring up at the building. The light turns off. Yeah. Sun goes down, sun comes up. The long awesome. take keeps going there. Very, very cool. And I love when now they start... It's, I think this is the second or third when he gets to the roof when they another reference to Icarus flying too close to the sun. Mm-hmm. Just like really... Yeah. I don't think that we have to go through the ending beat by no. beat at this no. point. You have him going up to the roof. There's three parts of this. Okay. You have him going up to the roof. You have him finishing up the play, mm-hmm. and then you this, have him in the hospital room. Right, those right. are the those are the three segments of the final. Right. This is where, to me, I start having issues with where this movie goes. Okay. Okay. Significant issues. Okay. Go. go I it. do not have a problem with open endedness. I don't think that, uh, you know, we don't need all movies to be crash where they're hitting you over the head with what's going on. <laughs> Subtlety is great. I love how they. Uh, they pick you up in the middle of a story. Like, they're not like, oh, well, you know, the father-daughter relationship is this because of this, or Shiner's like this because of this. It's good to figure it out. But nothing makes sense mm-hmm. from the point he wakes up. You could only make it make sense if, if he's dead or if he didn't exist or if it's in his head. That's the only way it can really make sense. And I want to jump to the end. That's made clear with what happens at the end with how Sam looks at him when he jumps out the window. Mm-hmm. When you're open-ended to the point where it really can't make sense... I just have an issue with that. So, so before we really jump into all our thoughts, the director's quote on this one, when they asked him what the ending meant, he said the opinion of the ending is going to change based on the viewer. Like the theater, you're sitting in different seats. You're all going to view it in different ways. So it's the open, it's the open ending, that, like you that's said. That's fine, but and there's, something has to make actual sense. 
for that to work. But so I, where it did, does where if did it's that, based in reality. So, this is not a reality based well, movie. The, 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 pro, the, the thing that what I will what I will say this what I will say about that is they've been planting these seeds the entire movie about him levitating and mm-hmm. and things like that happening. So it, it's not out of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 they and they do things here and there to ground it in reality. Yes. Most notably the taxi. Huge. Yes, and when he's destroying the room yes. you see him and then when right. someone else is there so here's here's my take on the ending he tries to kill himself on stage and he fucks it up stuff play which what the fuck is that <laughs> right he, 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 try, he tries to he tries to kill himself and he and he, and he's that much of a fuck up right like the, like the guy they talked about earlier in rehearsals he screwed it up and he had this and he wakes up in the hospital he has his new nose the, the rave reviews, he's back on top. Virtuous ignorance. Yeah, and he's, he's kind of, he's at a good place with his ex-wife. He's in a great place with his daughter for the first time in good mm-hmm. knows, Lord knows how long. And he gets up and he goes to the bathroom, takes his mask off. He takes off the, the bandages. Which is, looks like his Birdman mask, which is right. fantastic. And who is still there? Birdman is still there. Dropping a deuce. And he can't escape it. What he thought he wanted this whole time... He finally got it, and it's not what he wanted. In my opinion, he jumped out of the window and, to kill himself. And his daughter comes in, and it's it's weird, it's abstract, but it's it's almost like she's finally seeing things the way he sees things, the way he sees things, and she kind of understands finally where he was coming from. Yeah, so interesting. He, so that it, whether or not she actually did it, and she actually looked down, didn't see a body, right? And looked up. I don't think that's. I don't think that's necessarily what it is. I feel like she kind of, for lack of a better term, bought in. So, and I think I don't think we mentioned this. The the one of the cool things, as I'm about to bash it, one of the cool things the movie did, um, they teased the gun mm-hmm. early. Because yep. whenever Norton, um, the Shiner was drinking his gin, <laughs> yeah. he's like, I can't work with that fake gun. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Gun. when, when yeah. he's talking so about the gun, orange, he's, he's like, like, let's just see the fucking orange. He's like, yeah. oh, this uh, this awesome uh, stage actor told me about a gun, so I got to get a gun. So we got a gun. Yeah. But, so he shoots himself in the head at point blank range. He shoots himself in the nose. Like yeah, he shoots his nose off. He's, well, like, like he knows how to shoot himself. Like he just, I think it's a one in a million shot to hit his nose, but I okay. feel like that's what He happens. jumps and the, all that throughout the movie, the, the car- other characters are grounding us as a viewer in reality. That's the whole thing. Except, the other, for, the, except for one. Except for the levitating so scene. So I, I want to, and I'm, I'm going to let you go last with this because I feel like you're going to have the most in-depth informed okay. take. No <laughs> pressure. I just have that hunch. <laughs> this is my initial take. Now I've, I've watched it again and then kind of a couple things, but I think he died at the building. I think he and I think that him yeah. shooting himself on the stage is his imagination of his death. I think he, th- I right, think he so. dies after. I think he drinks himself to death after meeting Tabitha Day. That that be, so it's like the vanilla sky. Okay, so I, I will say this, though, having just said that, I think there are two ways. There's many ways of this movie. In, in, in my perspective, you could view it in the optimistic way. You can view it in the nihilistic way, where like it, it's... No good, he dies early in this, and then the optimistic way would be like maybe he's in a alcoholic daze or whatever. So so we'll get into that a little more at the end. I'll, I'll let you go before we get into that, Joe. But I think that the gun stuff on stage can be explained by the fact that it didn't really happen. Just like all mm-hmm. the people going to their feet, clapping, sure. standing ovation, the and, the, and, and the focus on the person. 
And the the thing now the the taxi driver that you brought up Grant might debunk what I just said because that is kind of grounded in reality. He didn't right, pay the right, cab driver. Right, right. That being said, I think that that's the only scene where he doesn't punch Norton, and Norton is kind of like a blur in that scene. He's kind of just like he's just there. And every other scene, every other time they do that scene at the previews, he punches Norton and then does his scene. Gotcha. It's just and then they just focus the the he pauses. I don't exist. Hmm. I don't exist. Yeah. So you almost feel like he's gonna disappear. I kind of feel when he like his it. death is at the building. The imagination. When, sorry, when you say the building. Where he's up on the... He jumps. Okay. Like, when he jumps. And then it is short flies. flies. Okay. Yeah, so the flying you making a movie, to, or is this for real? Yeah, that begins to be his death. It's right. Him. Mm-hmm. He, he has the ground... He because flies I, off... Because the the guy that tries to talk him off, he actually reacts to him running yeah. to yes. the end. Yeah. Yeah. And the hospital... In the hospital scene, to me, he is totally not alive. Okay. okay. Be, and I think one of the one of the moments is that she gives him lilacs. Lilacs use at funerals. Bad, were, bad luck because during the used, plague they 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 uh, mask the smell in your house so you don't bring those to sick people and they're used to to mask the smell of death. Yep. During the plague they and left them says, those masks. I can't smell them. I can't smell them. So I, to me, he is dead in that last scene. And the, the and the other thing is is that when the wife and the daughter pass each other, they just peck each other on the cheek and what like in a real life situation they would interact. They wouldn't just silently kiss each other. That's his. That's that's his parting with one soul to the next, and the media part is also huge because he now has that new newfound celebrity. Because that was this is one of my things yeah, too. So, so Joey, I want to ask you now: What was your take at four? Okay, so <laughs> all right, all right. This I, was one this of them. Is why you're last? <laughs> Buckle up, ladies. So this was one of. I thought he died earlier, where the wake up was almost like the Vanilla Sky, where he wakes up and the you know the sky's different. It's the new day because in that world he's in the thing like that. He drank himself to death, died in the gutter. But I think if we're going to the hospital is like the last scene in the death, right? I kind of see it as three things. The first two are about point of view. The first one, the point of view is his point of view. He jumps, he kills himself. Before he dies, that moment when the serotonin... In the hospital. In the hospital. That's all really shoots himself. He's a bad shot. Okay. Well, first my nitpick, what world would this man not be on suicide watch? That's why I think, that's part of the reason I think he's dead. Because no way they're giving him hospital windows that open and the whole way they're not having person. Just use that to suspension of disbelief. Right, but I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have much, uh, that much of an issue yeah. with that. Anyway, first point of view, his point of view. Right before, you know, he dies. When we die, the serotonin in our brain shoot up to make us not feel pain. So in his mind, he imagines Sam seeing him and happy. They're finally happy, right? She's finally happy for him that, they, that he got that. You know, because we go back to the original quote that we see from the gravestone, you know. Um, and what did you want to call myself beloved to feel myself beloved on the earth? So he's imagining that she loves him, that she beloved. So she's beloved. This is like him. a post death. That's his verse. That's his vision. If him, that's his point of view. Second is her point of view. She looks down. She sees him, but she. That's not how she wants to remember him. She sees him flying as Birdman, almost like a soul going up type thing, but mm-hmm. seeing him as Birdman finally at peace. Then the third version, this just is not our reality. And this motherfucker flew. <laughs> yeah, this, this <laughs> is the science fiction version. Birdman. Yeah. Which but, is you know, kind of, they laid the line for that to be possible yeah, throughout yeah. Because everything, again, I really paid attention to this. Everything that he does, even, you know, when Ralph, oh, I made that happen. Everything's grounded except... Because this, but this is also the only thing we don't see. So I, the, us not seeing it makes yeah, that me... that makes you think it's real. I don't think that explanation of her looking up make, 
sense. Like, if she witnesses him splattered on the ground, I don't, I can't see any feasible way. And, it could all, it, and this, and this could also be how he envisioned, like that's his point of view piece uh, on his on like he how he envisioned. So her I think my her. overall point is that if the answer to what is happening is either he died somewhere prior or. What the fuck are we watching? It's just not effective storytelling. You know, look, we don't never know what's in what's in the writer. Well, the the, the thing is, is that we're all right. We'll we'll never know it's, what's in the writer. It's writer's one of those head. things they yeah. want you to right. look at it. A different no, no, way. nobody's wrong in this conversation. And right, that's kind of what the point is. And one of the the first things I said when we started this was rewatchability is important in a movie that it requires you to rewatch it. Actively so how many pe- yeah. yeah? So how many people saw her look up and were like? I, okay, that could be looked at different ways, but I don't really care. And then they didn't rewatch it. So, but, well, I mean, I feel like that's how the first, you know, hour and fifty minutes go. Mm-hmm. If you if you're in, if you're into that, and then you see the ending, you're like, okay, I have to rewatch that. Her eyes are perfect in that scene. Oh yeah, well yeah. I said before it can be viewed, in, in my opinion, it can be viewed in two different ways: the nihilistic way, where where it's just grim, and this is just really just the story I think of suicide I think it's or, about him at peace and I think suicide but where a, does the peace come but where does the peace come and that's my point is that if he's you finally making hopeful, a decision to getting away from this if you want to be hopeful to me her looking up at the end is him walking away from his career as an actor I no longer need to be judged or viewed by anyone. I'm walking away. I'm done. And sh- and she's like, "Dad, you finally understood that these people don't matter. That this doesn't matter. This is this is it." That would be the positive spin. The negative spin would be, yeah, like you said, he just killed himself. And, and I think he killed is, himself to kind it. of like, because I think it was just enough. Yeah, I, th- I think where I think where your positive interpretation falls apart is the is Michael Keaton seeing Birdman. Birdman to me represents doubt. In Michael Keaton's psyche, right, and every like all the I you know what it should have could is he's in his life. Everything else is just a, a manifest of Birdman. So the fact that if this is real, if he if he's still alive in the top of the hospital, he has everything he ever wanted, but Birdman was still there, so he'll never be happy. Yeah, that, that's then that's kind of how I. I mean, and go back to a really good scene. He's like, "I'm Regan freaking Thompson." He goes, "No, you're Birdman. It's always been we, brother." Yeah. yeah well, yeah. this character needs to come to peace, right, with his daughter and his wife throughout sure. this movie. Right. That's the that's the struggle of this whole movie. He has to get to that point, that, and that, I think that the end to me is a symbol that he got to that point in some world. And, and Sam's he, recognition that they are at like she's recognizing that we are, and I think that's why his death is not devastating to her it's him finally not being troubled for his life which, which leads me to one of three things with this movie it's either the whole movie's a dream or certain aspects of the movie are dreams or hallucinations i think a lot of it are hallucinations. yeah i think delu- it's all hallu- lu- delusions and hallucinations yeah throughout the whole movie is and this could be it i when when i do this stuff i really try to get develop my own opinion and get my own thoughts out there mm-hmm. And then maybe in the end I'll do a little, you know... It's, hard, it's a hard movie to not do research. Do, do a little research yeah. around. And I, I read one person's opinion that I'm like, ooh, you know, that's pretty good. Is, is that the movie is kind of a, in the lost world, would be a flash sideways mm. or a limbo period where this man died 
at he died before his career, before anything started. Oh, that's interesting. Hence the jellyfish in the beginning of the movie. Well, maybe that's why the jellyfish show up in like three different spots in this There's movie. There's the epitaph of a gravestone at the start of the movie. Okay. And this whole movie is him finding peace with his family throughout it. That's one interpretation of that's it. Interesting. Or the third one for me is, is this really just an allegory? The story is really just an allegory, much like Star Wars. It doesn't have to be real. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a, not real. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a character study. This isn't something like The Godfather where there's a linear story mm-hmm. and everything has to kind of tie up at the end. This is right. about this is a this is just about about Reagan. Yeah, right. it's a fable or an allegory told in it in modern day Times right. Square. You know, right. just like uh, the never ending story is for depression or grief or you know wh- wherever it is. Is this is this a man's professional struggle versus finding inner peace with his family and love within his family yeah. and all that. So however you want to look at that, I always kind of think that as you said. To say a movie's like, none of it really happens, it's just a dream. Like That kind of stuff gets a little eye-rolling to me. But this movie is a little deeper than that. I feel like it works just because the seeds were planted from the opening scene. Right, yeah. Exactly. It wasn't like... It didn't just show up when he woke up. But the seeds were planted for... For what exactly? Well, just just like the su- like the, the magical realism, supernatural. Part of it. I don't think they. I think the, of it. So him floating. Oh, so him floating in the very beginning was what? Well, no one saw that. We only saw that. Every other time, there's a character on screen with him. His powers are, there's quote unquote powers are gone. They don't exist. Well, so except for when he dropped when he dropped the light on the guy, people were there for that. From where I thought their approach was in making this movie, it is we have a theme that we want to get across. We're going to tell the story. It's going to be half-based in reality. It's going to be half-based in fantasy. It's going to be a little unclear. And what you're taking out of it is, is what are you striving for in life? Are you striving for elite status financially? Are you, are you striving for elite status artistically? Are you striving to be a good family person? Are you striving to find the person you love, to raise a daughter that you love? Are you trying to be the most famous actor of all time or are you trying to change the way theater is made like that's what they're struggling with no, here that, with this, I, with this character. that works but they're making it very clear throughout this movie i think on purpose he doesn't really have powers like they didn't randomly throw in the cab driver for five seconds asking for money like right. they did that very very sure. very purposefully yeah, right he can't fly. Right. It's all every everything is proven except for the levitation and the jumping. This is everything is grounded. This is what I mean by these delusions are in his head. Right. And it's and that's established very early on. Yeah. Okay. But then when he's dead, but where see, are we? But you, you don't, don't see, see him fall. That's that's the but we diff- see the we see him open a window no. and step. Right. But we but, see the reaction of a real character. A very troubled real character. There's no reasonable expectation as to her reaction then. I think you're looking for a rational, you know, suicide's yeah, not an irrational for, thing. So I think well, it's not her suicide. She's no, not but it's smile. an it's an irrational act. But if she thinks he's finally at peace, then she yeah. might because his whole thing is and don't, obsession and don't, striving and don't forget, for peace. And don't forget too, like this is a really they they ended on a good note, but it's a very tumultuous relationship. And you see, when Reagan when Reagan opens up the door, there are yeah. a bunch of birds flying. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And and so she see maybe she sees the birds. And it just kind of, like like I said before, like she kind of buys in. She kind of understands why he was the way he was her whole life, right. and maybe just clicks for her. Yeah. <laughs> it also could be she just saw her father on the on the on the splatter on the pavement, and she just 
like like freaked out. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know this this movie kind of does a little bit of a, a hand eye trick of making it seem like it's a happy movie yeah. and masking yeah. a maybe not so happy ending because there are suicide foreshadowed through this entire movie. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's Suicide's like, a heavy theme. You're kind of faking yourself into a smile if you think that there isn't suicide at the end of this movie. Sure. I mean, you have the, the jellyfish story. You have the the him shooting him in head, himself in the head with a fake gun and a real mm-hmm. gun. You have his character talking about you. There's a lot. Him standing at the edge of the building, her sitting at the edge of the building. It's not high enough. How high enough it would be to kill you. Like, there's suicide lace yeah, right Definitely. Movie. He, he probably kills himself. And he, uh, he talks about, you know, him and his wife, his ex-wife, had the conversation about his first suicide yeah. attempt. With the jelly. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great yeah. scene. Um, yeah, yeah. But you said it was the, a sunburn. The, Sam's reaction is just, it's just a it's piece odd. that doesn't fit. It's and odd. I, I, think it, I, I think it can fit in this world it, because, again, this is a man who's so troubled and so looking and, for uh, something. And if he's finally at peace that he's done, that he's not going to be tortured, I and, think that's okay. And and you you guys have had no problem saying this was a vision after his death. What's to say that wasn't a vision after his death? I have a problem with that. If there's one thing I'm sure, none of us knows what happens. If oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So that, and it is a little right. bit of a so cinema cop because you can do whatever you want. That's, but that's exactly what my issue is for you know. Let's call it a two-hour movie, right? Yeah. What it is exactly? It's basically two hours. So let's I think say like one fifty-nine. You know, we have a hundred minutes of this. Yeah, in his head, there's some weird stuff going on that's pretty adequately explained throughout the movie. Very real, very real characters. That of all, all of a sudden, twenty minutes in, where it just, the explanation is either anywhere from nothing happened to everything happened. That's like all the explanations. It, it's, yeah, it's so vast and huge. But I, that but I, don't I feel think that helps. A, but I feel. A movie. But I feel like it can get away with it. There are certain movies that can't get away with that. But Birdman is done so well and it is interesting enough mm-hmm. that, you, that you're okay, well, most people are okay with coming up with their own theories about it. Yeah, and obviously yeah, people it's, were it's very, well very okay with this. Yeah. Obviously, we're here talking about it in this picture. <laughs> yes, people are very okay right. with and, and honestly, if, the, if that ended with seeing him flying away or seeing him splattered on the ground, I think those are way more disappointing than us trying to figure out what the hell it meant. I, I agree with that. Kieran's brought up a few times the rewatchability of this movie. And I think the fact that this isn't something a lot of people would be interested in isn't a problem. I, I think it gives it, you know, more depth. And I think some people don't yeah. want to do that. And that's cool. It's what you want out of movies. Some things yeah. don't hit people. Others are going to watch and talk about things forever. And I think that's that that's fine, too. It, it, it's just what you want out of it. I usually don't like choose-your-own-adventure movies. <laughs> but I, I feel like... I, I feel like this one just works. I don't know. It's the beauty of the podcast. It's the beauty of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We've reached time for the awards, the BPC Awards. Oz, welcome. You're at your first BPC Awards segment here. Great. I can't wait to hand out some hardware. That's it. You get to, you get to be involved here. And we're going to go MVP, and I'm going to let you go first. You get to kick in. Who is the MVP of Birdman or blah, 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 ignorance? Not going to overthink it. It's Michael Keaton. Um, like I said in the beginning, I don't think this movie can be made without him, and he did. He carries the movie. I don't know how many, what the percentage of lines. Of course, Edward Norton gets a little honorable mention, but it's it's Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. I think it's his movie. I think everything Greg said. I think he crushes it. I think he is good when he is 
acting as an actor. I think he's good when he is Regan's. I think he's good as the Birdman voice. I think he is good fighting with himself. I, I think he nailed it across the board. Mine is the um, surprise surprise. I was, I was going to say Keaton, but I figured I'd mix it up. Sure. You know how I am hmm. about cinematography. All right. This one, it deserves it. So, uh, Emmanuel Lubezki. Well done, Grant. You, uh, you are my hero. I, I, no, this movie is uh, this, this movie. This movie works. <laughs> this movie works so well because of the frantic pacing and the long takes and everything. This movie really does feel like a play. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, and Lubezki just knocks it out of the park. Yeah, maybe we didn't talk about that as much mo- as much as we should, but it's yeah. fairly obvious that it's shot it's just incredibly it's, it's unbelievable. paced yeah. very well, so I think you said that perfectly. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, that's really not a, a bad time to just talk about it. I think that that's another thing that we kind of let slip through the cracks a little bit, is the long take thing was the yeah. gimmick of this movie. It's like, oh, though, though it's all done in one take, one take. It's like, there are actually a lot of other elements to this movie to discuss, and I yeah, don't know if I said this one of you, I might have said it to Chris G., in that my first time doing viewing the movie, like I watched the movie, I'm like, oh, all right, okay. And again, I'm not in the industry of not. Right. We say right. <laughs> That's our point. We're not an expert, right? Then someone was like, yeah, what did you think about that whole all being in one take? I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like I, I thought I, it yeah. wasn't a gimmick. Yeah. No, it, it works. Well, it right. makes it, it improves it. A gimmick is when something is done and it's just that, and there's nothing else. Or it's to hide plot right. inconsistencies. This was like like 3D movies are a gimmick. Mm-hmm. Like this movie, everything else works at a ten. Other than that, that it's not even just a part of it. It's just part of this tapestry. It adds which, to which, which makes yeah. this movie so great. And Ninaratu was like, he's like, this, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna make this movie that's done in one take, and this is vision. He sat down with the director, uh, the graduate, mm-hmm. right who has a, another movie that has, has a famous long take into it. He sits down with him and explains to him he's like, what he's going to do, and he goes, oh, yeah, don't do that. That's yeah. a terrible <laughs> idea. Please do not do that. Yeah. But, uh, and that just, made, the, that just validated him that he had to do it. Yeah, talking about the cinematographer, though, Emmanuel Lubisky. So he was nominated for an Oscar eight times. This was his sixth nominee and first win. He's won three in a row since then. He won the following year for The Revenant. Revenant, right. Because yeah, that's a beautiful movie. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm sorry, I said that in reverse. So his, his first one was actually for Gravity. So he was the okay. cinematographer for Gravity. And then he wins Birdman and Revenant, the, the Revenant this after guy's that. guy's a stud, huh? Those are, yeah. yeah. Other, other ones he was nominated for, Tree of Life, Children of Men, The New World, I Don't Know, A Little Princess, I Don't Know, and Sleepy Hollow, the Johnny Depp. Oh. oh. Also, The yeah. Birdcage. Oh, oh really? Cinematographer, oh, yeah. The Birdcage, the good one. And we, we have to let... Did you do any Adam Sandler movies like our boy Dean Cundey? Uh, oh, we we can't we let them Mr. get away with, with their weak ones. So there was a, this is this isn't one of them, but I'll throw Burn After Reading in there too. I said, oh, that's a great yeah, movie. That's a good movie. That's, that's, a, that's, that's, an, that's an underrated Coen Brothers movie. Meet Joe Black. Okay. Okay. Mr. Black. Okay, but everybody has their stinker, and this is his Every, Everyone has their cash grab. The Cat in the Hat with Mike Myers, the cinematographer, director of photography. I've never seen it. Never I can't imagine it. Comment. Don't want to see it. I'm yeah. sure there maybe I'm there's not... someone out there that says no, but the cinematography <laughs> in that I will movie, not, I will, the way I they will... framed the cat in the fucking hat. <laughs> I will do everything I can to make sure my daughter does not want to watch that movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Think I, that, I, no, that I have no interest. Mushrooms in are now legal in like three really states, so it's going to be a big. Watch it. Kieran, your MVP. My MVP, and I am going against the grain a little bit here, it's Ed Norton. He is the definition of what a supporting character should be. If without his presence or his character's presence in this movie, this is a 
Michael Keaton is still phenomenal. He's still great. It's a very boring movie. And if the critic is the only adversary in the whole thing, it's just kind of like a, okay. But the whole Edward Norton presence in this, and the fact that it's him, yeah. how it plays into his real-life character, how he was kind of a failed superhero. And they, they, they yeah. wrote him oh, out yeah. of the Hulk well, thing. He, like, he we can't have this guy. He didn't want to do it. Yeah, he got, but he was he, also, yeah, but they also were mad at him for not campaigning and not... Well, because, not, because, because he's a, an artist. Actor. Yeah, exactly. Right. exactly. Yeah. right. So that plays he's into Mike it. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that he added a, a dynamic that makes this movie something you want to rewatch. Yeah. And it's a movie that needs to be rewatched if you yeah. want to fully appreciate 100%. it. The supporting acting nominee, well-deserved... Wasn't going to win. Nobody was beating J.K. Simmons that year. No, no, that was his year. That was his Oscar. Yeah. I mean, Ed Norton's one of my favorite actors by far, so I think that's a great MVP. But him and Keaton both both deserve recognition. No complaints there. LVP, us. All right, so. Ready to go. so we all said this was kind of tricky. I had no problem with this. <laughs> you never do, Joe. We're, we're considering renaming the LVP the, <laughs> the Joey R. All Achievement right. Award. I did some research Lack of achievement one. award. Lack of. I did some research. It's not the character... Tabitha Dickens, because okay. I think the character Tabitha Dickens is uh, could work and should work, and she actually has a fantastic line or two in this movie, um, but I don't think it was delivered well. She was not a, uh, she did not come across as a true adversary for Michael Keaton in that scene. Um, so the actress, who by the way has numerous uh, Tony awards, mm. has an has Oliver awards. So she's obviously, which is apparently the... Well, uh, she's a stage actress. Yeah, and apparently very good, so... You're arguing my, against yourself right now. My, <laughs> no, but my, LV, my LVP is uh, Lindsay Duncan and the portrayal of the wow. Tabitha Dickens character who Ooh. should have been much, yeah. much better and a much, much more worthy adversary. Wow. Given wow. with the few lines, um, she just did not... Well, this, welcome to the BPC the universe. Scene, yeah. the I scene, completely disagree with you. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Scene, <laughs> me too. The scene drives Michael Keaton to... The end. Right. I don't think it portrayed any impact. I think he just dominated that scene, and she's just not memorable. I, I think I, she. I, so, I, felt, I felt like her her calm demeanor was perfect. Right. I, I think now. because she didn't take him seriously, that's what drove him so mad. Because this important person didn't give a fuck about yeah. him. Yeah. That's yeah. why I think she was a great adversary. Hey, you know, we're, we're, it's the beauty of the podcast, right? We're throwing <laughs> yeah. things, but I, I disagree. And I think that the fact that she was a Tony actor, I didn't even know. Me neither. Yeah. Is genius casting. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Grant, well, I'll be speak, Speaking of. Mine is going to be extremely unpopular, I'm telling you. Right <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to have an unpopular. You're all going to yell at me for mine. But okay. go, go, great. Well, mine's, mine's not a, mine's not a, um, an act, an actor. It's, um, Joey's going to hate me. <laughs> well, yeah, I love this. I love it. We got yeah. a contentious um, LVP going on here. I feel like. I feel like Laura's character should have been bigger. I feel like it should have been more developed. Yeah, if they got someone with talent, that would help. <laughs> Jesus <Whoa>. Christ. <laughs> I, I, I feel I feel Fired like off. I feel like she wasn't given a lot to do. I feel like she was I feel like she was really good. So and, you're throwing but, this one on the writing team. A little bit. But again, you got like, four I'm writers thinking. whose names I can't pronounce. Well, some of them are writers. Give it a shot. Four ways. No, I, I, I find I, I just it, like I said before, it's hard to find space in a movie. For secondary characters, and um, so I understand it, and I'm okay with it. But to me, because I, I, I feel like she was important in in uh, Keaton's life and Reagan's life, 
maybe more a little bit more fleshed out. All right, so you're kind of that's kind of like half putting it on the character, but 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 the writing team should have done more with like so this, yeah. the character was could have been more important than it was. And yeah, pretending to be pregnant is a, yeah. Uh, Joey, I have a feeling like that might segue well into your... Yeah, so Laura is my hard LVP. <laughs> okay. The okay. only thing I thought she did good, the first transition scene where after she said she was pregnant and what, that whole thing, when she kind of walked up the stairs and she said, now it's preview night, I thought that was cool. The rest of the time, I thought nothing she did landed. When she tr when she did her like throwaway scene, like, oh, I just want to be a mother, but my body won't let me, I thought that should have had some emotional impact, but it but I, did I nothing. Like, I feel like that would have benefited from a more fleshed out character. Or a more fleshed out character actress um i think it was a line that could have been it was just super flat for me didn't work and um i think that the only time i got taken out of this movie was when she was involved except for that first transition scene. i don't like terribly disagree with that i think that she's probably packs the least punch and i think i'm kind of just, yeah. i'm kind of agreeing with both of you with that now she's going now, against top bond though top, like who she's going up against is insane artistically and it's it's pretty this movie was pretty clearly tactically cast. Just, yeah. You can't deny that. 100%. Like, right. everyone, if you were to cast and write a script for the actress who's trying to make her career out of a failing project, trying to tag along with a bunch of other people, wouldn't you want? Wouldn't you cast someone forgettable? And wouldn't you write her as forgettable? Like, doesn't isn't her entity in this supposed to be? Forgettable because she's a nobody trying to make something right. out of nothing. That's not going to ever be anything. Right. I just think there was a few moments where there should have been some impact where it was just nothing. Now again, she's going against Michael Keaton, who's throwing a hundred and five. Edward Norton, who's perfect. Um, I mean, Watts is excellent. So I mean, Galifianakis was really good. So I mean, there's a lot of real power kicking her in the face. But I just think she not was, bad. And again, work. we've all said it was a tough one to pick one. So I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna go with mine now. And this is I have a feeling I'm gonna get barked at a little bit here. And this is a personal thing. So, yes, okay, do I have personal issues with the MCU? Yes, do I have personal issues yes. with Zack Snyder? Yes, okay, that's fine. That's, but this is a me thing. I'm the person watching this movie. Yeah. And I'm, if i got to be the heel today, I'm going to be the heel. Well, My LVP. Here, so. We need a heel. There's got to be one. My LVP, and this is Zach Galifianakis. Really? He's my LVP. Mm -hmm. He distracted me from the movie a little bit. Putting him in here, I get what they're doing. They want another blockbuster guy in there, and I... Don't think he was terrible. Like, I think he did a good job. And, and they've said that, like, they counted how many times each yeah. person messed up. And he messed up the least. But I think a lot of that... But he was able to fix it when he did mess because up. Because he works in improv. Exactly. Like, that's right. what he does. So he was able to kind of be in the nature of the movies he's normally in. Just go with it. Right. It just... We can do better here with this. And I, and I, and I had a hard time picking someone, too. Because I think the movie's pretty... It's assembled pretty perfectly. Yeah. As far as the casting goes. I just don't like Zach Galifianakis. I don't find him funny. Yeah, you I don't, said that, you yeah, said that I just, before. I don't like him. I oh, don't, so you, I don't okay. Think, yeah, I don't, I, so here he is in this, and it's like, this okay, is, you're is fine. This is the Zack Snyder thing all over. Right, so it's, yeah. it's, it's a personal <laughs> issue. I just don't, I so don't it wasn't going to work going in? It it probably wasn't. No, okay. it distracted but me the, from the movie. Yeah, because, because you don't like him. typical Galifianakis performance. Right. You're right, but it had a little bit of that Jonah Hill stink to it, where, like, <laughs> I can be a real actor. You know, like, and it's just like, dude, I'm, I'm good with you being I in mean, movies that was, I don't want to watch. And, but he also was, like, he wasn't being, he was the comic relief of the movie. He wasn't, like, the... But I didn't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I mean, like... Well, you might like my recast, then. 
But and again, it was tough to be, and I I don't think he did a bad job in the movie. I'm not right. saying that it, it just, just didn't work. It didn't for you. work for it's me just, personally. Right. I just, I'm not was, a Zach Galifianakis guy. It was, like, it was like it's like a Rebecca thing where it's like the LVP of Rebecca is still pretty good. You know, it's just it was, it was hard. The chicken wings. No. <laughs> the he would have wings. gone to prison if he didn't push it too far. <laughs> that is, he so fucked up. He would have won. Your LVP is a script. Yes, <laughs> he made a bad choice in the, the movie. G- the, it's the Joey R LVP award. He would have went. He would be in prison. Lawrence Olivier would be in fucking prison if that motherfucker <laughs> wasn't such a dumbass and just pulled back. Right. Save it for part two of the Rebecca. <sighs> the year anniversary. The Rebecca night. <laughs> the participation award. Yeah, participation award. I'll, I'll throw it out there first if, if we're okay with that. I'll do Bill Camp. Who played the homeless man doing the, the speech? Okay. Oh, really good. Yep. He's also in the uh, the Outsider, the HBO um, adaptation of the Stephen King novel. Was he in the Night of? Uh, he's in the Night of too. Okay. Yep. Yep. He's in the, the HBO in the family. Oh. Yep. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Really good character actor. He's, he's just okay. not in a. T- he's, he's one of those guys. You know, right. you see him and you're like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, yeah. Dude, in that one little snippet of a scene, and and Grant, you brought up how important that is thematically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just just crushes it. Huge. Him. Yeah. I can't tell you how Love many Shakespeare scene. references are in all of these movies that we've done. Crazy. I'm gonna have to go back and count and see how many of so these podcasts. I mean, this is just Macbeth throughout. Of the 19, yeah. I, I want to say like at least 11 or 12 of them have referenced we talk about Shakespeare, Shakespeare a lot. Yeah. Soundtrack for me. Um, Oh, keeps me in it. I think it's it. It just it works in a way that soundtrack should work, and I think it's just super different and innovative without being yeah. obnoxious. Right, right. It just works. Like they, what they were going for, they fucking nailed. Yeah, love yeah. That. And Antonio Sanchez, the drummer, is is my. Wow, both yeah, you got there. Yeah, love that. Love those choices. Mention. It's great. Yeah. I'll, I'm going to give mine to. Uh, the great actor who played hapless Ralph in the beginning, Jeremy Sheamus. <laughs> the yeah. good bad actor. Yeah. Hit him with yeah. the neck brace later yeah. on. <laughs> he ah, comes back and sues. I mean, come on. That's... Scene of the movie. Okay. And Grant, you want to give your quote too. I yeah. Believe. All right. My, my quote is when uh, Keaton's standing on the ledge and that woman across the street that's hanging up her clothes, she's like, is this for real? You're shooting a film. A film. You people are full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And I, I, I feel like that's that is the um, that's kind of one of the cruxes of the of the movie is nobody takes him seriously because he's an actor and and all that stuff. And that's one of the hurdles that he has to jump. And it's also yeah. hilarious. Scene of the movie. Yeah. Um, Grant, you would go ahead. Yeah, my my scene is you know, after the third preview where he runs around in his underwear and he goes uh, back to his dressing room and his daughter's there. And she's putting the dots on the the toilet paper, and she and they and they kind of talk about how he wasn't a great father and how he was fine, quote unquote fine as a father, and he's like kind of the first time where they have um, a real moment together. You kind of see some kind of dynamic as as father and daughter, you know, with the, with the dots and how short humans have been in this universe. Yeah. Again, there's the whole few whole futility of. Of everything, and you know, it doesn't really matter what you do, but just, but it, it does matter because you're still here anyway. So you try to like try to make the best of it, but ultimately, no one's gonna remember. Yeah, Birdman. really cool. And and I want to say too, because I was just, I, I like to sometimes before I do these, watch, watch them winning their Oscars and what yeah. they say. And and in in his speech, one of the things he said is, 
he said the ego is the biggest prick that we all have to deal with. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that this movie is going up against that movie and he's like, of course, like we're all, we're all competitors. We're all, we all have an ego and we want to win these things. And one of us wins, one of us doesn't. It was, but in the end, time will judge us all. Right. right. And I think that's kind yeah. of what a little that's bit of exactly. Scene of the movie, Joe? My scene is um, after him and Ed Norton get into the fight and he goes back to his dressing room and he's fighting Birdman while destroying his his uh, dressing room. Regan says, oh, billions of flies eat shit every day. Does that make it good? And they just, he's destroying the room. It reminds me of the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood scene with Leo destroying, <laughs> you know, it, it's, yeah. it just really got me. I watched it like three or four times last night. He 100% bought into that scene and destroying the room, fighting with his, yeah. with his doubt, with his everything about him and his ego and his past ego and who he thought he was and who he wants to be. There's a great, there's a great exchange in that where, uh, where Riggin says, I was miserable. And Birdman says, you were fake miserable. Hollywood miserable. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a great, that's, that's such a great, great line. Ah, uh, scene of the movie. Sure. Um, so I guess it would be the, I think the one, get him getting locked out in the middle of the play in between uh, cool. scenes. That's a great yeah, that's a good scene. And he barges in and he's replaying this, he's doing the scene in the uh, audience. And I love, I know we, we you can't see when listening, but he does it with the gun with his hands. So funny. And then yeah. they like, hand him the fake, yeah. the fake gun. It. It's yeah. So mine, I, I think I, I mentioned it earlier, but I'll just emphasize it again by seeing the movie for me. Growing up as a kid, two movies that were on all the time were Batman and Beetlejuice. Just, so Michael Keaton was such a part of my childhood. And, you know, in those are some of the earliest movies, non-Disney animated movies right. that I remember watching. And in college, it was Fight Club, it was... American History X. American History X, and then watching Primal Fear. And Edward yeah. Norton was just like a yeah. big... Even that stupid priest movie with Ben Stiller. Oh, know, yeah. Like, um, keeping the faith. When I was in college, like, yeah, that's a smoochie. That's Daniel, a good one. You know? yeah. just, Ed, Edward Norton like is what I think of when I think of watching movies in college. So the scene where Edward Norton and Michael Keaton are just... Yeah. Going back and forth and just arm wrestling in acting and seeing the two of those guys on stage together and just really in what could, you could make an argument is probably two of their best performances, maybe, as far as like straight up acting goes. And yeah, it was just very cool to see the two of them. So the scene of the movie is just with those two guys on that stage with the empty thing going at it. Yeah. So okay. we're up to the time machine recast here. Yeah. This is always one where we take any actor from any point in time. Doesn't matter. Put him in the time machine. Send him to 2014. Put him in this movie. I, I've learned from listening that um, to other episodes. <laughs> don't recast your MVP. <laughs> and don't recast the whole movie. Yep. Just recast one person. It's amazing that these are lessons that have yes. to be taught. Yes. <laughs> well, so much can come from actually listening. Yeah. <laughs> we learn things. So I'm going to recast my LVP. Okay. All right. Um, and BPC I'm gonna, 101. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be uh, Jessica Lange, who has mm. two Academy Awards herself. She has her own Wikipedia award page. So Wow. Know. She has the um, theater experience and awards to fit there. And I think that, I know you, what you were saying before is right. I think it's, it's, this character does need to be dismissive, but it also needs to be effective. Um, and I think Jessica Lange can be both and like nastily effective to the point where it makes it more believable that that would drive Michael Keaton to 
the ultimately the end one way or the other hmm. wherever we go. Great actress. Yeah, yeah, she's she's definitely going to crush it. Mine is um, going to recast Zach Galifianakis, even though I don't think he did a bad job. Because <laughs> I had a hard time with the recast on this one. <laughs> um, Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's good. And yeah. it's a little bit star power. I feel like he can do... Serious and he can do comedic. I feel like it would elevate the movie. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. That's I mean, good, Joe. Yeah, so I recast Laura because okay, yep. Laura's terrible. Yes, We're consistent tonight. I always cast my LVP. That's good because BPC paint by yeah. numbers is okay. Yeah. Um, you know, so I want someone who you know actually is a believable person. Um, I want Anna Kendrick. Started in theater, has personality. Wouldn't could play that smaller main role and pull back. But also have personality and believability in the few scenes like she's it. in. Not bad. I like yeah. it. Too young? No, she's four years younger than the actress playing Laura. Is she too attractive? No, I think it works. And she's super attractive. But I, I think it works in here. I think they could. Yeah. You know. That's, that's a great, great. And again, yeah. I'm never against putting Anna Kendrick in any. Yeah, it feels like a cheat. It feels like a cheat code a little bit, but I feel like it would actually be good. I also recast the my LVP and the, okay. the Zach Galifianakis like character. And I think in doing one of these movies where everything is so perfectly cast, the recasting is a, a major task. So I don't want to self contradict myself and saying you know oh, this distracts me there. So I want to keep the spirit of what they were trying to do by putting Galifianakis in there. Blockbuster comedy guy, a little not a uh, not a movie star looking type of character. Someone who you could imagine would just be his friend who's not in the business. So I looked at Harold Ramis, a young like, Harold like Ramis. Ghostbusters Ramis, yeah. or like Stripes Ramis. No, like like a younger Harold Ramis at Ghostbusters, where he can play that cynical. Kind of, you, you're, you're going to push me around a little bit, but I'm going to play back a little bit. That's a good one. He's a nerdy enough, but he's also a director, so he fits into that behind-the-scenes category. He's also been in blockbuster comedies. Yeah. You can match him into into movies that have killed at the box office. That'd be really interesting. It's, like yeah, I like that. That's definitely R.I.P. too. Love, love. Yeah, right oh, that's clever. I like that. Could Rob Zombie direct no, Birdman? No, no. I mean, clearly yes, but uh, <laughs> no. The answer is no to this one. The end of the movie would be like a big, huge bird flying with Dracula jellyfish. Yeah. Yeah. Did anybody throw Robert Shaw in there? Just as a yeah, bar patron, maybe. Yeah, anytime there's a bar scene, you can stick him at the yeah. end of the bar. We did that last week. Last weekend. All right. So this is the point where we try to rank this movie and figure out how we're going to put it in the grand BPC calculator in the grand scheme of things. But before we do that, we're added a new segment here where we give recommendations as if you liked this movie, here's a movie that we each would recommend you check out. So yeah. uh, Grant, you're going to go first. Mine is Black Swan, a movie about, about the arts, about perform performance art, about mental instability and... Questioning what's real, questioning what's not. Much darker <laughs> in tone, uh, but I feel like that's, that's a really good one. Yeah, I feel like that's that's a it's a good it's a good equivalent. It's not a feel good movie, um, but it is it's a real uh, good movie. It's though. a real good movie. Yeah, and anyone who's familiar with Darren Aronofsky and his stuff, you know, I, I think it's kind of a little more watchable than some of his other movies. Even though maybe it's not feel good, it's still it's definitely more watchable than like. Requiem for a Requiem Dream. Dream, yeah. The Wrestler yeah. might be more watchable than the two of them. Yeah, Wrestler. Yeah. Like, Pi is a tough watch. I love the Pi. I love Pi. Yeah, I, I mean, Black Swan ties perfectly into this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's so a perfect recommendation. Joey, what do you got? So, I, I had trouble with this, because as I was kind of looking at the recommendation, I was looking at all the themes, and I have 20 themes written down, so for me to then pick one movie. So I had a list. But I broke it down. I really focused on kind of the obsession over creation, right? And I went with Ed Wood. 
Biographical oh, wow. picture, Johnny Depp as Ed Wood. No spoilers, but where Riggin is talented, trying to prove he's talented and very driven to prove this. Ed Wood is not talented, but super ambitious and driven and... Um, very optimistic. Very optimistic. Yeah. It, it's Charmingly it, optimistic. Right. Like So thematically, there's a lot of things that I think match up with Birdman, but way less dark. And it's yes. also biographical. That's interesting. Yeah. And cool. um, Tie the Tim Burton factor there. Yeah. And then there's... And I, I, think, I think it fits. I kind of went with the long take approach. You know, movies with, with long takes to them. And, I mean, the obvious choice we've already mentioned would have been 1917. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to talk about a movie that we have already talked about in length here with BPC. Right in line with what we do here at BPC. If we've talked about it, let's just talk about it some more. The movie's Creed. Yeah. Yes. I knew that's where you were going. I was on board with it. I teased Goodfellas there, but I wasn't going to. No. No, yeah. I knew you were going to go with Creed. Creed has a famous... Oh, yeah. That that boxing scene is so good. They just do the whole thing in one take. Excellent movie. It's so... It's just kind of so understated in the grand scheme of things as far as movie making goes I think because of its gimmicky sequel nature to the Rocky franchise it kind of got underbrushed a little bit it is such a well directed movie Creed's it ex- is such a well acted movie it's a phenomenal movie, movie. excellent if, movie and if you're someone out there who has just never gotten around to seeing Creed uh, the Rocky movies I don't really like them doesn't matter you don't have to have seen the Rocky movies oh you know Creed just a remake Forget it. So good. Check it out. It's an awesome movie. It's it's a heartfelt movie, and uh, it's an easy recommend. And you can even tie in the themes of of that you you see in Birdman in the guy that okay his father wasn't really around because he was committed to his right. career, and then this is him going after his career too. So yeah, check out Creed if you haven't seen it. I like uh, that. Capping off the recommends. Twenty fifth hour. Yeah. That was one of my recommendations. Edward Norton is incredible in this movie. I feel, I don't know if this would be underrated, because I feel like everyone who's seen it enjoys it, but it's a movie that held up really well. Um, And when I picked this, I was like, oh, everyone's seen that movie. But looking at it, it it made $24 million in the box office. Yeah. So Should have been nominated. I don't know if everyone's so no, no nomination. Very I, feel, I feel like a lot of people haven't seen it. Right. right. And it has the legacy theme. I have not seen it. Oh, it's really good. Oh, yeah. it's already on the list. He's so, excellent yeah. on yeah. it. I mean, it, it, he's the main character. Hoffman. It, it yep. throws yeah. you in the middle of a, of a guy's life, similarly to, to Birdman. A um, lot of it's about, I, I think it's a little bit about legacy. And it's definitely got the uh, open-ended oh, yeah. uh, situation going on. Uh, one of the first movies to recognize 9-11 on screen? Or? Yes, yes definitely. Yeah. It's like yeah, the first Barry New York Pepper, movie after 9-11. Barry Pepper's apartment. Yep. It was like right. I don't know if it was... Yeah, that's great when they look out over yeah, the ground zero. I don't zero. know if it was the intention of the movie. It just kind of happened. Yeah. Ranking this movie and putting it into the uh, the DPC calculator here. Keep up. We're going <laughs> to... One to five here. We're talking performances. Right. We're talking how it's shot. We're talking... Themes and story, and how they work, and how they were delivered. One being no bueno, five being Muy elite. Bueno. Yes, elite <laughs> best picture winner. <laughs> My Spanish is not good, but performances here. Five. Man, it's hard to say otherwise. I mean, five. Grant. Five. Five. Yeah, I, I mean, just, just yeah, it's hard to say otherwise. I mean, there, everybody here was put under extremely demanding circumstances. Yeah. You have it. You have an all-star team to begin with. Yeah. Did you ever? Did you ever hear that Galifianakis talking about this movie? I have like, not. No, he, no. he was on like one of the one of the talk shows, 
And they're talking about, like, oh, it must have been, like, really stressful, like, when the camera's going to come around to you. And he's like, yeah, they had me on mic, like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. And he had to, like, wow, break yeah. into character. That's awesome. But, yeah, it, it's, it must have been, like, so rigorous. I mean, like, they rehearsed forever. Yeah. But it's like like a play. Right. Yeah. That's why you don't, the editing was so short and Two easy. Two weeks, that's right? what I heard of. Yeah. How the movie's shot? I mean, <laughs> there five. really are many arguments here. We have five, five, five here, yeah. right? There's no, you can't argue with that. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, the only argument you maybe could make is that it's like a gimmicky approach. But yeah, like, come on, you nailed it. Story themes and how they're delivered. Joe. Five. He's going five. You've, you've put your list of themes out there. There's no... Surprise, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, the, LV, the LVP thing I have is more, more or less me grasping at straws anyway, mm -hmm. so I'm going to say five. Is it five? So this is three categories of five we're doing right now. Yeah. All right, so if we're going five, 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 well, you this don't, is... You no, I'm just saying, no, yeah. this is explaining my... Fifteen record. is top tier. So you're putting this with, like, The Godfather, this movie, is if we're going in five, five, five. Well, yeah. yeah, but there's, like, there's 92 movies on this yeah. list. It's not unreasonable to think that 30 movies have five, five, five. five, five. five. I think the five, five, fives we've had so far have been, since we we started doing it by midway, but Rocky was a fives, I think, yeah. across the board. And, um, and, that, and we put, I, I mean, I just put that in my, like, my top 13. I think Silence of the Lambs mm -hmm. got fives across Science, the board. Yep. Mutiny on the Bounty, you gave fives across I the board. I gave fives to Mutiny, and I, I gave fives last week to Oh, did you last weekend? weekend. I think so we I'm, I'm going to give this one, I'm going to ding it for the what I think sure. is um, the, yeah, I know we're falling on the side of that fine line between a creative ending and what I think is a, a lazy ending. I'm going to give it a three. Okay. He's going three with it. Okay. All right, I'm also going to ding it a little bit. I'm going to ding it with a four. Okay. But here is my issue. And this is where themes and storytelling versus putting it on screen to the viewer. You picked a little bit of a self-indulgent vessel to do so. Mm -hmm. And you made a movie that needs to be watched several times to truly appreciate its intricacies. And I think it's a, it's a movie that a lot of people will watch. A lot of casual viewers will watch once. And I don't think the ending will hit them as hard as the beginning. If that makes sense, where I think sure. like they were more into the the, the cheeky dialogue well, and the it, back it's and seen, forth. Yeah, it, it, it's not. It's it's this movie isn't for everybody. Mm -hmm. you know, right. I, 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 you can't make a movie like this and expect everyone to like it. It's not. It's just not possible. I like movies that morph every time you watch it. I mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Oh, and this that. is one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and sure. I and I think I think that's I think that's a sign of a better movie. Um, than something you watch once and you're like, okay, I got everything I need to get out of it. Right. And I like a movie that makes you think and I like an ending that makes you think. But I, I kind of leaning toward what Oz is saying where I don't necessarily love the gaping hole open ending where it's just like, it could be so many different things and I'm out of here, see you later, boom. You know, like, and I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Right. I because, love it when it works, though, because yeah, for, yeah. for, I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, I, I joke a lot on, but this is on the fine line. I, I rewatch movies a lot, like mm -hmm. movies I, I've seen, I, I'll watch and I'll, and I want to think every, I want them to be different. I want them to make me think. I don't want to be stagnant with you, it. You don't want it to be crash. You don't want them to crash into you. <laughs> no, that I do but, not want. Uh, I, I was talking to a, a friend about, about the podcast and he said, uh, you know, I, I, I want to get into it and I want to check it out, but there's a lot of these movies I haven't seen. And one of the struggles that I have with movies and throughout my whole life is 
I don't watch new movies. Mm-hmm. I just watch the ones that I love over and over right. and over and over and over yeah. again. So he's like, I like the idea of this podcast where maybe I'll check out a movie that I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Now this gives me a reason to like, after I'll watch it, right. I'll check it out. Great. And that's yeah. what we're, we're aiming for. But. Being a part of this podcast has motivated me to get out of that and watch movies that I've never seen before. Yeah, and you hope that yeah. maybe it, it gets people out there to do this. Because I'm the same way. I watch movies I've seen over and over again. Yeah. yeah, and and there's something to be said for that too. There's, yeah, there's, a, there's a comfort to it. Watch yeah. a gentleman's agreement instead of Rocky Four. <laughs> you know, yeah, and then Rocky Four is better. <laughs> Rocky Four is all fives. It's like, <laughs> it's cinematography, the acting, actually six on yeah. games. This is always the awkward ranking process here. Where does it fit in the one to ninety two scheme? So. In a world where you've seen all mm. 92 movies and you're, you have to rank them, and we universe. hopefully we'll get to that spot at one mm. point here. Where does Birdman fit in? So, Oz, as your initiation into the BBC mm. world here, we're going to put you on the spot here with this. With this. I'm going to put it slightly in the bottom half, and I'll put it without obviously seeing all these movies. It's um, especially your first time around. It's you really know, hard. trying to break it into like <laughs> it's very hard. Thirds, yeah. you know. I think it's in like the same. So I'm going to say, but now what we need to say you've seen most of the movies we've covered. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yes, uh, I'm going to put it in the fifty to fifty five range. The fifty to fifty five. So range, the top okay. of like so towards the top of the bottom half. And I think yeah. the running joke is, is that everybody pretty much just answers 45 for this question just to kind of deflect it off. Oh, no, I but now I want to ask you a little more on this is let's say of the 18 movies we've covered, you say you've seen 16. Where uh, yeah. is it in that world? Without being specific, just it's, generally speaking. It's, it's probably like 10 to 12. Joe, where do you have this one? I think it's um, a little bit higher than that. I, I have it in like 35, 40. Great. I have it at 25. Mm-hmm. I really, really like this movie. I, I like I like when people take big swings. I like when people swing for the fences. And he connected to me. And uh, he just, yeah. Yeah. So I feel, I feel like it would be hard for me to give a movie all fives and not put it in the top 25. Yeah. Cool. Right. Cool. So this is, is a weird one for me. I said this at the start. Grant, I said this to you when I got got here today yeah. off off microphone. I kind of like didn't know where I would fall with it. Like before I watched it, like after I watched it, I was like, this discussion is going to determine a yeah, lot. Yeah, There's a lot of and pressure. if this were like a one-off director win and this guy didn't do anything else that I really was connected with, I think I would be a little more hesitant about what he did here with this. Okay. But The Revenant is a movie that really, yeah. really love, hits yeah, me. Love I love movie. The Revenant. Yeah. So many of these movies and that have won the best picture in the last 10 years or in the 2010s or even in the late 2000s, it's hard for us to really put them into perspective as to what they are, sure. how they last. I mean, you see a lot of them. I think there's some that... There's somewhere almost like the best picture tag almost works against them. It's like a little bit of a tag. Like the shape you know, of water has gotten abused some like, of that. No, no the artist. No one's going to be talking about Green Book in 30 years. Mm-hmm. Probably right. not. Yeah. The artist. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, like Shape of Water is another one we haven't done that episode yet. But like, it's, it's a fine movie. It's Guillermo del Toro. Like, I don't understand why it gets so much kind of like. It's a weird con- It gets con- a lot of con- meh. The concept weirds people out. Yeah, and and this is one where like my initial approach to this thing was it's like Birdman's gonna be another one of those two thousand tens movies that's just right. oh it won Best Picture and whatever it's a Hollywood piece. 
I do think that this movie has a chance to stand the test of time. I think so. I think I, I think, think so. it, I agree. It, it 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 may need to age a bit. It just may need to age a bit. And I think with like Emma Stone as she gets older and kind of more famous, that will also be something that she pulls along with her. I want to say that it's not going to be in the back half. Right. You know, and I think that it's got it's got legs for the thirties. I think it's got legs for the thirties. Okay. It's it's a, it's a really well made yeah. movie, and I gotta say, I'm got I have to go check out his other movies. I haven't seen Twenty One Grams. Oh, totally. I, I want to check. And out. And Naomi Watts is in it too. Yeah, Naomi Watts is that Sean Penn in that, yeah. that one too? Yeah. yeah, he had an obnoxious delivery of the best picture this year. Did you? It, yeah, what oh, he said something like, "I can't be let him in the country." Fan out there. Anyone who's a baseball fan out there who knows that there's nothing worse than the ump that does the delayed strikeout call. <laughs> you know, that waits, waits, waits. Strike three! He, wait, like, he waits until the batter op- like, drops he the He opens yeah. the envelope and goes... Huh. 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 Oh, I don't know who gave this guy a green card, but Birdman! Like, it's like, alright, so you pause, you wait... <sighs> You that curse and then you and then you deliver a wise crack and then you tell us. It's right. like, come on, bro, get I mean, over yourself. Stop rocks. making the moment about you, bro. <laughs> That's why Team America ripped you apart. Yeah. America. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this is the point where we go over the other best picture winners of of the year, and I'm, I have been trying to pick one a week now that I haven't seen. Check out. I did that this week, and the movie I watched this week is. Going to be the first one we'll talk about here, and that's American Sniper. It's a Clint Eastwood movie. Clint Eastwood is, as I've said before, one of my favorite directors. This is in the later stage of his career. This, this is actually his last appearance in a best picture scheme. This is his last appearance at the Oscars. Which American is- Sniper. So I, um, I'll say this. If you can kind of like politically separate yourself from a movie and just watch it for what it is, it's super entertaining movie. I mean, there's definitely some controversial topics in there. I wouldn't say it's entertaining. I think I it's entertaining. Say, I think it's entertaining. <laughs> really? you know, yeah, no, yeah. it's an action movie, dude. Like, yeah. as far as like, if you watch it as an action movie and not as like delving no. into what they're trying to say or anything, yeah. and, and I don't necessarily think. That Clint Eastwood's trying to say a whole lot. And remember, it's based off the book that about Chris Kyle's life. It's right. a real and, and, story. And then therein lies the conversation of problems because maybe that book had issues with truthfulness here or there. But honestly, I think it's a I think it's an awesome movie. I, I, Bradley Cooper, I can't say anything. I'll, I'll bury Zach Galifianakis, but the part <laughs> of the Hangover I'm not going to bury is Bradley Cooper. I love Bradley Cooper. This is the passing of the torch the making of Starsborn because Starsborn was Clint Eastwood's dream yeah. project he okay. wanted to remake Starsborn yep. Bradley Cooper working with Clint Eastwood doors opened up in his mind about movie making and what he wanted yeah. to do and they kind of got together and, he's, and Clint Eastwood goes you know you should make Starsborn and then he went and went on okay. and did it. so if nothing else for that movie we got a Starsborn I saw American Sniper in theaters twice I read the book but what do you think about the issues about the, some made up stories in there it seems like things are a little exaggerated a little but, bit. Yeah, but. and the stories that are made up are not, like, anything that's in the movie. Like right, well, I mean, the, like, the Katrina thing was... Yeah, was the Katrina thing, and yeah. then him punching Jesse Ventura in the face. Yeah. You know, like, that, that kind of stuff. That would be weird that was in the movie. <laughs> 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 he comes home from his, like, fourth tour, just... <laughs> uh, just. So, yeah, America's separate. I would check it out, man. Sure. I mean, it, it, well, I don't think it was going to win this Watch year. It. There wasn't a lot of other nominees for it, but... Joe, what do, you, what do we got next here? So next we go Boyhood, Richard Linklater, filmed I over... Feel, I feel like that's the gimmick movie. Have you seen Boyhood? Yes. That is, have you I, seen I've, Boyhood? I have not. Yeah, It'd I have. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> <laughs> so filmed over 12 years Get with out. the same cast. 
Richard Linklater's Boyhood is a groundbreaking story of growing up as seen through the eyes of a child named Mason, who literally grows up on screen before our eyes, starring Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette as Mason's parents, and newcomer Lorelai Linklater as his sister Samantha. Boyhood charts the rocky terrain of childhood like no other film before. Simpsons does it way better with Bart and Grandpa, and yeah, I think that's what uh, it is. It's a, it's a pretty cool idea obviously that they pull that off is really impressive but um no it is not a groundbreaking story you it's know? not it is not a rewatchable movie no. by any means I, I really like ethan Hawke and patricia arquette I'll both like like them both a lot they're fine i just think it, it just kind of is it's, it's i think this was like the favorite going into this year the right? idea and because, the because because of because the gimmick of the gimmick, of it. The gimmick. and it's a gimmicky year there you go with yeah. that and birdman yeah. and i think it was like a critic darling too like the critics were Sounds obsessed like with it, it. Yeah. Oh, oh, like yeah. all like the the, yeah. the early cri- critic and that was like the one that was getting the big write-ups like i remember mm-hmm. when that coming up it was like hype so i was like oh this is it so i went and saw it and i was like oh sure. this is this is a thing and then the industry got their hands yeah. on the situation <laughs> All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Selma is next. <laughs> Great transition. Selma is next. A chronicle of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s campaign to secure equal voting rights via an epic march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama in 1965. Selma, thoughts, I questions, comments? I have never seen that so one. And is this the only one on the lineup you haven't seen? This and the imitation game. Okay. I have not seen this one. Never seen it. Okay, probably um, won't. I haven't seen it either. I hesitate to comment. I will say this though: this is like a, a rare year in the ten film lineup, and I think the only year in the ten film lineup where every movie won an Oscar. So every yeah. movie that was yeah. nominated there won something. This, this one, one for this song. One song, right? Yeah, John yeah. Legend song. Yep. Yeah, yeah. All right. So next we go to the Grand Budapest Hotel, mm-hmm. Wes Anderson's, mm-hmm. also starring Ed Norton. So real great year for Ed Norton. Yeah, a writer encounters the owner of an aging high class hotel who tells him of his early years serving as a lobby boy in the hotel's glorious years under an exceptional concierge. Yeah. If you like Wes Anderson. This is, you'll yeah. love that movie. Oh, yeah. I think that's yeah. what we have to talk about. Like, if you don't like Grant, Wes what Anderson, are your Wes Anderson I, I love Wes Anderson. Oh, you're a big Wes Anderson? Yeah, yeah I think it's great. I think Grand Budapest Hotel is great. Me too. Oh, okay. yeah. I think it is on my watch list. I haven't seen it. I'm on the fence with Wes Anderson, though. Like, I, I love Tenenbaums. Rushmore, man, didn't... Yeah, it didn't hit for you, right? For me, I, I mean, I'm no. a big fan of Wes Anderson. I mean, I'm very excited for the French Dispatch. Again, another... Well, I'm excited for that, too. An, another Bill Ed Norton. Too. Bill Murray, Ed Norton, Timothy Chamolet. See Moonrise Kingdom? That's a good one. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. I've not seen that one. Ed Norton's really good in it, too. Life. He's a very fun, different character than we're used to with him. Life, life, life Aquatic's great. Adrian Brody's really good in this, um, in oh, Grand Budapest. Yeah. Willem, Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, yeah, just really good. The very quick uh, review of that is, it's not, if you don't like Wes Anderson, it's not, you know, going to walk into that. very Wes Anderson like, movie, oh, this is great. That is a Wes Anderson it's movie. A Wes yeah. Anderson movie. You Perfect. like him or you don't. Like, Wes Anderson is a part of his movies, just not, you know. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a certain style that he does, and you're either on board or you're not. Okay, next we have The Imitation Game, and this one screams Artie movie, Artie <laughs> B movie written all over it here. Uh, has anyone, before I read it, has anyone seen The Imitation Game? Uh, I've seen bits and pieces. Okay. All right. This just always strikes me as the token Oscar movie that nobody's seen. During World War II, the English mathematical genius Alan Turing tries to crack the German Enigma code with help from a few mathematicians. There's, there's more to it than that. The mathematician in question is gay, mm-hmm. and there's a, there's a big 
thing there where he's not you know not treated well he's not treated with respect they're not listening to him because because of that and there's a whole another plot that wasn't mentioned in the synopsis yeah okay that's that's interesting and that's Benedict Cumberbatch nominated for best actor in that one Marvel I'll be botch Doctor Strange breaking codes for Hydra Marvel movie (laughs) connection for you so next we go to the theory of everything which is a look at the relationship between the famous physicist Stephen Hawking and his wife with Eddie Redmayne playing Stephen Hawking and Felicity Jones as the wife did not see it. Don't okay. want to see yeah. it. Yeah, didn't see it. Don't don't want to see it. And this is again a movie that can be subbed out of the mix here. Like and where's I, Nightcrawler? I, where's I Interstellar? Saying, where's Gone Girl? I hate saying that about a movie I haven't seen, but at the same time, it's like he's he wins Best Actor. Great, wonderful. I'm sure it's a it's a great imitation game, but at the same time, right, bro? Come on, that doesn't need to be nominated for Best Picture. Right. Step Up Bowling also put, came out this year. Let's put it where it belongs. Uh, the theory <laughs> of movies I don't want to watch. But what makes you not want to watch that? I'm just curious. I just I don't love, and I'll just I'll, I'll just say is like I don't love this whole like biopic imitating mm. people who have already lived that we all know. Like I don't I don't, I don't, I don't, think, sh- I don't think I don't think I don't think those movies really add anything. Right, but here's yeah. like, what are, like I, I Ray, you want to throw in Lincoln, you know, and again these are fine actors. I love the actors. Yeah. I love their point, but it's just like. What am I doing? I'm trying to. Th- I'm. I'm raking my brain for one that I enjoyed. Yeah. Right. But Did you guys think of one that you enjoyed? I mean, I liked Walk the Line, but I didn't love it. I liked the. Um, I'm forgetting the name. The Elton John movie. I liked well, that actually, too. But that but was that, that was more fantastical. Yeah. It wasn't based, yeah, so it, it made was, it fun it and it was different and it felt creative. Yeah, that was very good. It, yeah, Rocket exactly. Man was very good. It was Rocket Man. Thank you. Would you guys do this for American Sniper though? Hmm. Okay, but going back to. Everybody knows, like a celebrity okay, that yeah. everybody knows. Because okay. I don't think that Bradley Cooper was imitating. Oh no, I, 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 right. I understand. I, I just want to yeah. see. I, I just want to see where yeah. the difference. No, I'm okay with before you got torn apart on Twitter. <laughs> true stories, but okay. I like like uh, I like nonfiction stories. Right, I think sure. there's some value to that, but like, it's, like it's, it's retelling the like, same like, thing like, over and over. Right. Like, like imitation, yeah. Like imitation game is a real story. Right. I don't that, no, but that nobody knows. Like that, there's the there's the difference. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, yeah, and I, I use the imitation pun there, but that, I'm more talking about right. theory of everything. Yes, and I don't want to diminish Stephen Hawking to a celebrity. No. that's not what I meant. You know, meant to say either. Like Stephen Hawking accomplished Brilliant. wonderful but, things. But I mean, this this is a year we have Gone Girl, Fury, Nightcrawler, Interstellar, Foxcatcher. Like it's a really good year. A good movie. Unbroken is out yeah. this year. Like a really good year. Uh, Will yeah, Arnett listen, as listen. Lego Batman made his debut oh, in the Lego God. movie. Oh Lord, that came out this year too. Yeah. Oh my God. There we go. We have one last nominee, and and this is probably what would have been my choice for Best Picture winner this year. That's I know what? this is not a who should have won. Yeah, and this should have won. This yeah. this is a movie that has aged brilliantly in six years. It's a movie that we're going to talk about this movie's for phenomenal. decades to come. It's so an incredible movie. Whiplash. A promising young drummer enrolls at a cutthroat music conservatory where his dreams of greatness are mentored by an instructor who will stop at nothing to realize a student's potential. Dude, I mean, it's just it's just such an easy movie to recommend to anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. whether whether it's grandma or you know the guy hanging out at the end of the bar. Like it, it is, you can just recommend yeah. it to anyone. It's a movie it's everybody should see. There's so much conversation that can go behind it. Yeah. Hopefully, it's a movie we'll cover in some sort of bonus. Yeah, episode. we have to some, figure that out somewhere. The, the BPC Hall it's of Fame, which one of those, like you know the nominees but didn't win. Right. Yeah. 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 The BPC. Maybe it'll be a BPC Hall of Fame inductee, which right. currently includes Roadhouse. 
and then <laughs> Halloween. Maybe we'll get there someday. Yeah, yeah good, good for them. So is there only eight movies this year? Yeah, yeah. there's right. only eight. Yeah. Out of these eight movies, if you had to pick one to recommend to somebody, is it, is it Whiplash? Oh, it's usually Whiplash. Whiplash. Yeah. 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 Whiplash. Yeah. That, because Whiplash is brilliant. It's the, most, it's, it's the most accessible. So gentlemen, we made it. We're at the end. Oz, welcome. That was fun. Yeah, you that did it. Fun. You did it. This is the closing <laughs> boss segment here. Do you have any of this? No, I, good, good time. Watch the movie. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Grant, closing thoughts. Nope. <laughs> I'm a little bit open-ended. <laughs> Joey, closing thoughts. What do you got for us, brother? Well, in a world where none of us matter, this was quite fun. Yeah. That's it. Gentlemen, appreciate it. Another episode in the books. Uh, did it really happen is the question. That's it. Well, no. Time <laughs> to fly, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next time.